We are back with another Black Window Cream podcast. New episode every single Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Real vs. World. Today's episode is sick as fuck for me to share as this guest is one of my long, long time friends, Andrew Doyle. Andrew and I grew up together in Iowa and have both ended up out in Los Angeles. Doyle co-owns a very successful printing company called Overcast Printing based out of Long Beach. They print gear for companies and artists like Playboy, Levi's, Frank Ocean, Sean White's Aaron Style Festival, King Road Merchandise, YouTube Red, Lock, Stock and Barrel, Manchester Orchestra, fucking everybody, dude, this list goes on. They print worldwide, shipping to every country you can imagine. Doyle is no stranger to the arts either. He is currently in a band called Foreign Pain and has been in a band since early high school. He's toured all over the country. He ran a large music venue. He then ran a nightclub, which almost cost him his fucking life. Stay tuned for that insane story. He became a successful booking agent and even created a nonprofit toy drive that helps provide amazing Christmases to less fortunate families around Southern California. This dude has done it all. Doyle is one of the most caring individuals that I know. He works his fucking ass off every day and said yes to every opportunity that came his way. He has seen rock bottom and has worked his way out time and time again. Like literally, when he became co-owner of this printing shop that he currently owns, they literally had their entire office robbed and stolen. Like everything went, was gone. It's all gone. They had to start from fucking scratch. You're gonna need to hear that story. So stay tuned because there's a fucking ton of value and lessons in this episode for every Black Window Cream member. Thank you, Doyle, for doing this one for us. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, you're probably wondering what does Black Window Cream stand for? Black Window Cream is a private content creator group fueled by caffeine, or at least I take my coffee, Black Window Cream, but you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be a part of our community. We are a private group on Facebook open to creators of all kinds, aka if you make videos, if you're a photographer, if you do marketing, management, editing, dancing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all creators are welcome. Our private group has been going rapidly. We have a shit ton of members working together by sharing content, asking for feedback, passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of pushing each other to become the best motherfucking content creators on earth. And you can join our group if you want to by going to bwnc.com join. We would love to fucking have you. Please join. If you're interested in supporting Black Window Cream, go to blackwindowcream.com slash merch. We have hats, stickers, shirts, pins, all that shit. It's available in the store. I appreciate anyone who picks up some merch. Seriously, I fucking appreciate you. If you want to help and you don't have funds, I get it. Just go to iTunes, fucking leave a review on the podcast, share the link with some homies, get some people involved in the group. That's all I need from you. All right, that's it. Uh, I have nothing else to talk to you about. Enjoy the work we keep creating. Make sure to tune in every single Sunday for a new Black Window Cream episode because they're the fucking shit. And without further ado, I bring to you my interview with Andrew Doyle and the most epic podcast intro ever created right motherfucking now! Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to... Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you'd say that. I'm gonna move one of these stools. Be comfortable, yeah, do whatever you want, but let's try to kind of. There's a lot of stools over here. Okay, yeah, pull. I'm gonna move this one, like, back this way. It's kind of funny that you're moving stools. And we're back with another Black with no cream podcast (laughs) episode, I think, 18, which is fucking crazy for me. I am here today with the one and only, a person you guys probably do not know, which is tight. His name is Andrew Doyle, and we've known each other since, I want to say, eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. That sounds right. And this dude, as you heard in the intro, has a fucking very successful printing company 
based out of Long Beach. Was originally based out of Seattle, right? And you guys moved down here not yeah. too long ago. Yep. Um, he's not only done that, but he's toured fucking everywhere with bands of his own. He's been a booking agent. He's been he. You've literally done all spectrums of like, be, from being an artist to like anything involving music. You've done that shit, right? Like, let's give me a short list. Um, started out touring. Yep. Went from there to booking talent at a venue. Went from there to selling talent, being a booking agent, and went from doing that to owning a merch company. The only thing I haven't done is management and label. I'm working on a label right now. Like artist management? Yeah. Yeah. Would you want to do that? No. And you say you're working on a label? Yeah. You it's like, that's super fresh, new. Not a lot to, to say there yet, but something I've kind of always wanted to do, and um, now we're going to go for it. Dope. Yeah. So... What I like about Andrew's story is that it's fucking ridiculous. And I've been there to watch it all unfold. Pretty much. I mean, like... More or less, yeah. Pretty much. Like, Andrew's... We basically, like, worked together. Um, I mean, we went to high school together and shit like that, whatever. And then and just ran the whole shit. We were in the music scene. We'd go to shows all the time. All of our bands started touring and getting to experience, like, being on the road and, like, being young and just trying to, like, figure it out with music. Um, and you've gone on, we end up going to work in like, like a nightclub that was like a venue, sort of. <laughs> we had like a venue and a nightclub, and Doyle like ended up pseudo-managing both spaces. Um, the story is so good, I don't want to get into it yet, but I kind of want to go we'll into like there. production, or owning your company right now. Okay. So give us a rundown of like what this company is, because I think this is cool. For, you're the first person that's not technically to, the, like to people on the outside looking in, if I just say you own a merch a printing company like they're not gonna think it's oh that's not creative but I'm, I think it's like one of the most creative things possible you guys print and make like he makes the black with no cream the shit I'm wearing if you're watching the video right now <laughs> this shit Doyle made it the hat Doyle made it okay <laughs> Doyle made it should be the name of the company just like my old company Ben made it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's cool um, we print uh, I would say like 98% of what we do is tour supply for artists mm -hmm. um, you know we all over the world too um you know, a lot of domestic, obviously, but, you know, we go through Canada, Japan, Australia. We actually had an overcast Australia for, like, a small, like, portion of time. What do you mean, like a facility? No, it was, like, basically because of how expensive it is to do printing in Australia, we had a guy there who would basically just collect orders. We'd print them. We'd produce all the merch here in L.A., and then we would ship it down in, like, pallets. Damn. And because the, it was cheaper to do that for like bands and businesses down there than it was to get the, the merch produced in Australia. And so we did that for a while, but the customs game was like such a pain when you're, yeah. you know what I mean? You're shipping like pallets of merch down. There's, there's so many like uh, logistical problems that come up that it's kind of like, eh. but we still ship to Australia all the time. Right. And um, that's still a pretty big market for us. But yeah, 98% of what we do is for, you know, touring bands, artists. Um, right now we're printing for, like, actually currently there's like a big festival in LA. It's called Aaron Style Festival. It's like yeah, a yeah, snowboarding yeah. When music is that? fest. It is in a couple weeks. It's in beginning of March. I should know this. But, but this is like, didn't Sean White snowboard at this shit? <clears throat> it's actually Sean White's fest. It's his he, personal he, festival. He owns it. Dope. So he, it's like, it's really cool. It's like a music festival and a, they have a big snowboarding event too. Previous years they've done like a big air, like, yeah, jump or whatever. I, th I think they're structuring a little bit different this year, but you know the artists are really cool too. Um, 
What you mean like that? So it's like not only can you watch snowboarding and shit. Yeah, so it's like they'll see. do like snowboarding event and then you walk over in between. Like they stagger it and then they'll have like an artist play. And like I think this year it's like Gucci Mane and like oh tight. Uh, Fanagrams playing. Ooh um, shit! Phoenix. I used to fan, I used to want to fucking rap on every Fanagram song. Ever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I think the I'm the girl from Fanagram. I think she's dating Sean White. Oh really? Don't quote me on that. Uh, maybe. Maybe. But, exclusive. Um, exclusive. Damn. Only through know. the merch company. Shit. But he's he's like in the Olympics right now. No, for sure. That's just crazy. It's so. fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of dudes that. Do you remember when I we had, school had gotten, um, a, like a little brand like to fuck with us and it was yeah nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, nice. Used to the dude JJ Thomas was like, um, he would like coach Sean and like they've worked with Sean. So I in my Instagram I follow JJ and I follow this dude named Louis Vito who's like a pro snowboarder too and like I always see Sean and all their shit like they're always working together to perfect this shit and whatever. That dude's f- super huge. That's a dope festival to be a part it's of. It's crazy. Well, the way we got into it was really weird too. Like we print for this brand, Kill Brand, and this dude Johnny like recommended us to Sean for his band because Sean plays in this band. I was just bad gonna, things. Yeah, I was gonna make a joke like so you watch Snowboarding, you go see three songs of Sean. You go watch <laughs> you watch three more. He songs. played. I think they played the first year maybe or second. He straps year. it, does a trick, gets out, goes over, runs grabs to the his stage guitar. like <laughs> he's straight up. playing. I've never listened to him. They're cool. They are cool. Um, but he plays guitar in it. That's what I was saying. And uh, Johnny was like, "Yo, you should like." They needed merch. He's like, "Yo, you should have these dudes." And this was when we were, like, super small. This was, like, five years ago. Yeah, because I remember you going to it a, a while back, right? Didn't you go to the event or you posted something about it? Yeah, like, we've, we go every year. Yeah, okay. Um, but this was before we started printing for the fest, and, like, we did, like, a bunch of shirts and, like, random shit for, you know, his band, and he must have fucked with it because... That's really dope. We started doing it for the fest, and, yeah, it's been cool. It's awesome. It's a, it's a good time. Yeah, sure. that's cool. We're actually... We'll all be, like, behind the booth, like, slinging merch this year, too. I want to come to that. It's cool. You should come out. Um, is it public? Is it like for the public? Yeah. So it's all. Yeah, they sell. I mean, they, I mean, they sell tickets. Like for yeah, so it's just a music fest. All right, go to that, people. If you guys yeah, want check to it out. and meet Doyle, you have a chance. Yeah, and I'll if be at you, the booth. If you have Chill. questions on your merch needs, slinging cloth, dude. Yeah. Dude, for real though, you've really crushed that shit. And the way I don't know, just the way you guys, it, I think people need to understand what it's like to. I, I want them to understand what it's like to run a printing shop because I got to come see it for the first time, even though I fucking have been. This is what's fucked up, to be honest. <laughs> is Doyle, Doyle, so Doyle left me in Iowa and went to Seattle. Shit. Started making, um, didn't you go there to work with <clears throat> Bailey on? We'll get there. Okay, yeah. We'll let's get, not, let's we'll, not go, let's, I we'll want to start there. at the beginning, but like, yeah. from now, now he is in LA, or he's in Long Beach, and I'm out here, and when I moved out here, it was just me trying to hustle every day, so I, I like, to go to Long Beach is like to go to fucking back to Iowa. Like that shit seems so far. I'm like, I don't have a car, bro. That's get, LA though. Like I, if you live in LA, it's like, oh, you know, they live in Orange County. No, fuck that. I'm not going yeah. to Orange County. That's crazy. It's or so like, far. I, I never thought like, you know, we grew up like going, we'd have to drive like six hours to go to a show. Like yeah. we go to like St. Louis or Chicago or Minneapolis. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and that was like no big thing. No. And now it's like this crazy fucking lineup, you know, and it's, 45 minutes away. Nah, fuck that. That's I know, because it's, it's not that it's like 45 minutes. It's 45 minutes of like stand still, stop and go, stop and go, and you just like want to die because it's yeah. just that. It's so miserable. If you have to drive six hours, it's just like auto, put that shit in auto, and you're like. Oh, it's just different because yeah. like now, like there's so many shows all the time, yeah. and like it's it's just a different vibe. You know? What I was getting at was that Sorry. I finally got to go see your shop yeah. not too long ago when I picked up this merch, and it was, I, I've seen pictures of it and shit, but to be in there, it's a fucking. 
it, it's so ridiculous. Like it's there's chaos. boxes of shit everywhere. He's got these massive printing things that are like you could put I don't know multiple pieces of shirt or merch on. Yeah. I don't know. It's supposed to speed up the process, right? <laughs> <laughs> you load like you know you load shirts on and it like goes around and prints as it goes auto press. And yeah, yeah, it cranks it out, man. But I mean, that, that thing is expensive, right? Oh yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. like I mean uh, when we made the move to like two grand, go automated right? yeah i wish uh you know it's like it was like a six figure investment by the time we like got all the equipment needed you yeah, know wired yeah. up the power like it's no joke man like yeah. but i mean it cranks it out like right. that thing can print i mean with we have like amazing printers like they're literally the best shout out shout out boys to the team. yeah the team uh but like they can crank like you know Sometimes fifty dozen an hour off that thing. Fifty dozen. Fifty dozen. So I mean, like, which is, when you first started, what was the process like back then? Slow. Wait, are you talking about like when we are a manual shop? Yeah, like dude, that's like by this. hand. Like, I'd say let's get there. We'll get there. It's cr- that's <sighs> that's just crazy. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, like when you're printing by hand, you know, like you're maybe done. If you can do like a hundred shirts an hour, like you're sitting pretty good, you right? Know? But when you go from that to printing, you know. 700 800 shirts an hour like it's just a different especially when you get that high demand and you like well need like to do quick turnarounds you need to have big orders you need to make sure it's done right you know what i mean yeah i mean it's like definitely a consistency thing too you know it's cool to mm-hmm. know that every piece of merch is going to come out exactly the same right and, you know like when you're printing by hand instead of machine things there's a little variable there but no it's cool that's it's, really crazy it was a good shift for us what i was getting at was that your work ethic is through the roof this dude will literally get up and crank this shit out all day make sure his business is floating he co-owns his business with his homie bailey yeah who is t- it's tight because bailey we met through music bailey was in a band called Gravemaker. a thousand bands but yeah that's what, that's when we met yeah but he yeah. was in this cool ass hardcore band called Gravemaker, and then they come through they like crash at our house they stayed at 94 apartment 94 that was a cr- yeah. They stayed there. There's they've stayed everywhere. I don't know, but they, they would come through and we'd like just fucking worship this band, right? And they, they were, became they killed that in they, Iowa. It was like killed. such a good market. They made them. so much money off their merch, <clears throat> like they just everyone would go nuts for this band. And um so you guys developed your relationship there, which we can come back to, you know, of how this all came to be. But it was cool because Bailey was also like booking their band's tours and then booking other band's tours. And so we would always see that and we would get tips on how to book our tours and like, you know what I mean? It, it was just a good relationship. Yeah. But, so yeah, you guys co-own this company together and it's flourished. You guys have been currently working together for how long? Well, I guess... When did you become part owner? Five years ago. So it was originally Bailey and his... His old partner. Old partner. Who I bought out five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. Um... And we'll get there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hate to keep saying that, but like it's no, I know it's so sequential, like yeah, the whole thing for so. sure. So I just think there's so much value for. I'm just, I was just trying to set it up for these motherfuckers to listen to this sure. shit because podcasts. I get it. People have shit to do, and I think this is a is a good story that you're gonna enjoy listening to. And before we start <laughs> the story, I just need to fucking clarify how hardworking this dude is. He gets up. He's married, by the way, so he not only is by himself cranking shit out and thinking about business, but he also has a relationship. to balance or whatever and he's getting up working his ass off at the shop he fucking got into uh jujitsu yeah about a year ago obsessed with jujitsu love it literally he's like packs out his days and still has time for like to make time for friends and shit which is dope as fuck we're gonna we'll get there (laughs) we'll fucking get there but anyway let's go back because first let's go back to fucking high school okay me and doyle would go to shows religiously like our life is I was straight edge back then. Doyle's still straight edge. Yeah. So if you, because some people don't, which blows my mind, people don't know what that fucking shit is. I get it. Well, I mean, and like, 
it the references of it in pop culture are like so like yeah. I think it was in like Nick and Nora's Infinite playlist or some shit and they were I think like, it was they were like oh you one of them edgers or yeah. some shit yeah, yeah. and I was just like instantly I was just like oh, yeah I know like, they just like fuck. kind of fuck up the whole thing or like CM Punk it's like shit dude you just like set us back like yeah. forever but we were I mean like I remember becoming straight edge in I think I, I had come to Holmes Junior High to go to high school or to yeah from St. Pat's yeah from St. Pat's so I went from Catholic school to 8th grade to like opening my life to public school which was like the first <laughs> time I saw a goth person and all this <laughs> shit I'm like what the fuck and but I became straight edge then just seeing it like we got we would start going to shows and you'd see all these dudes and they're just sudden, like they'd have like it'd be hardcore bands and there'd be people moshing and beating the shit out of each other for fun and like but they weren't like serious about it like they're they, cool yeah they were cool they're about cool it. after you but know? I'd look up to him and be like, damn, when I get my fucking braces off someday, I'm going to, I'm going to get in there and <laughs> do that shit. Come with a mouth too. guard. Like, yeah, I'm going to get in there do and this. do that shit. And then, uh, but then I, at some point I just realized what the culture was of it. And it made sense to like, I'd see friends that we'd be with in grades or, you know, junior high and high school and they start drinking and getting fucked up and like terrible stories would come out about them or they would turn into dickheads. Like yeah. just, that's just what happened. I would see it happen to a lot of my close friends. And I was like, I don't want to fucking do that shit. And seeing straight edge made sense to me in the sense that it's like, yo, you're not going to drink. You're not going to smoke or do drugs. You're just going to live like this clean lifestyle and like respect women and try to be like a good person overall. Like sure. that's what it made sense to me. And so I did that shit till, I don't know when I sold out. I think I honestly was like 21. I don't, I didn't drink till after I was 21 and didn't you have a bet with somebody to drink? No, like uh, they didn't think you'd, like make it till twenty one, and then you made it till twenty one. I feel like I heard something. I like hope that. so. God, you obviously um, didn't collect it, but no, I was pretty yeah. sure there was a thing about. No, that. I just, I just remember like at, at, at age twenty one, I remember a couple of our friends who were straight edge, who were best friends since like day one. I remember seeing this happen at a show, and like one guy sold out. So if you're straight edge, that means that you're committing oh, yourself for your thing. life, right? Like sure, you're, sure, you're sure, saying, sure. I'm not gonna drink, I'm not gonna do all this shit, I'm gonna stay this person forever. Yeah. And most people don't make it. Like it's just what it is. And so at this point, I remember seeing like two good friends. One of them does chooses to like drink, and the other one was so pissed that they were like spray painting and doing all shit. And it was like really aggressive at the time. It made sense because it was like a camaraderie thing. It was also like you're committing yourself to shit, and it was like fuck you for this. And I'm like, yo, man, I'm seeing like our friends not become friends with each other because of this choice, and it's just starting to get like blurry to me. And like it doesn't make sense that two people could like not become like stay buds. Or whatever, like yeah, you know what I mean. It was just a bummer to see, and eventually I just didn't. Then you hear about people getting like fucking people up over some certain. I just it was like, like a bad time. To it was you. a really there bad was like time. a lot of like crazy shit happening like in the world. Yeah, of like hardcore and like what was going on. Right, it was goofy, but, but I, mean, I was like, still it, in the scene. So yeah, I was like, it's like at the end of the day, like you got to make your own personal choices. And, yeah, you know. And I love alcohol, so I just started dude, going ham. I'm, you know, I no, actually really like that era of Ben Haggerty. That era when I would just be like turning up. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was fun. That was fun. I didn't, I, I, but like, I wasn't like, it didn't, I sold out, but I don't think I, like, I mean, I didn't drink really anything for like that whole first year. Like, yeah. and that was just cause I was like, I don't know. I just don't really need to do this shit. And that, I think honestly is one of the things that saved my ass because I was able to contribute all of my time and energy into music, everything that we did with music, all this stuff made too much sense. Um, I don't know how this became about me. I'm I sorry. Shit, my I don't care. Uh, We're chilling, dude. I'm just trying to explain it to We're them because it's like a thing. It's like I haven't talked about this shit before. I mean, before. it's a good place to start because that's like really when I like look back about like how and I do this. I try to do this like every once in a while. Like look back, like how did you get here? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like 
for me, like it started when I was like 16. I think 16 or 17, I booked the very first show I'd ever done. It was this band, Regret, from mm. Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yeah. I'd found them on pure volume. It, oh. We were in high school and I was using like the Media Lab or some shit and I was on pure volume and they had two songs on there. I was like, this band is sick. I want to book them here. Booked them at the, this house venue called The Switch. It was shit. dope. Tons of kids showed up. It that was, was your first show that you booked? Yeah. But we've been going to shows way. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. But yeah, I'm yeah. saying like yeah. what I promoted. Yeah. And then I was like obsessed. I'm like, dude, I love booking shows. It's the sickest shit ever. And so I was just like booking as many shows as I could and, you know, making some money on some. Not really, but like mostly if the show made money, I just gave it all the touring bands or whatever. Um, and then definitely like taking some hits on yeah. some shows too. But I loved it. Became obsessed with it. Um, you know, I was already playing in bands at this time. And then when... My, my last semester of high school was pretty rough. I, you know, I, I moved in with some friends, kind of had a weird falling out with my folks, and, and we're good now, but yeah. um, moved in with some friends, and that whole last semester, like, all this crazy shit happened. And, like, I was working at this burrito spot, and the dude that owned it, like, died. Yeah, you he know? died. Uh, in a car crash, which was, you know, super tragic. But that whole semester, I just, I remember thinking, like, I'm working for the summer. Like, I just need to get through this shit, and then this summer, I start touring, and, like, I can't wait, you know? And that's really what it was. It was just like a race to the finish. And I was booking shows still, and then we went on tour. And yeah. I felt like we didn't stop for like years, like three years, four years. We just went on the road as much as we could. When we were home, we'd all work like shit-ass jobs just to like make enough money to like go on tour again and be able to still have a home when we yeah. came home. You know what I mean? And then, and also to be able to like afford being on tour. Yeah. I mean like, which there was some times where it was like, I mean, it was generally, like, we do pretty good about saving money because cost of living in Iowa is, like, next to nothing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, like, we made the mistake a couple times. Like, we always would start in Minneapolis because it was, like, a really good market for us. But the dude that did the show really liked taking us to the casino afterwards, which is, like, oh <laughs> when God. it's your first day of tour, do not go to the I fucking remember. casino. Yeah, we'd pull up. It'd, it'd yeah, like, and then, like, you yeah. spend all your money, and then you're like, well, shit, I'm on tour for the next three and a half weeks, and I have $15. You know, so we would be like in, you know, sleeping in Walmart parking lots, eating like cold baked beans and tortilla chips or like. And mind you that we weren't 21. This casino was an 18 plus. Yeah. You could be 18. That's why it was the shit. It was awesome. Because we couldn't gamble yeah. in Iowa. Yeah. You so could. we'd go up there and just ball out. Hell yeah. And. Um, Mystic Lake Casino. Is that, is that the name yep. of it? Hell yeah. Sam Banks was the dude. Damn. He was the promoter. He was awesome. And then he always took us gambling afterwards. The shit yeah. was awesome. But, you know, we'd eat like French bread. Like, we'd buy a loaf of French bread for a buck, and then we'd eat on that for, like, two days. Ramen. And when you, when you got bored of that, you would put hot sauce on it, and then you would, then it would like, I don't know, spice it up. But what so was the was goal? Different. Like, why, why are you doing this? The, the, like, there wasn't, like, that's the thing about, like, touring at that time. Like, there wasn't a goal. Like, we, we just loved to be on tour. Like, we just, going out, meeting people, like, we weren't this, like, ambitious, like, trying to break through. We played punk music. Like, yeah. there's no, I mean, there's, like, big punk bands I guess but like that wasn't ever the plan you know we just wanted to get out and like play to kids and some shows were fucking awesome and some were like duds yeah. you know and like when we were first touring like we played this show to like two kids you know what I mean and it was like such a drag the venue was like leaking water like every time Sean touched his guitar like he was getting electrocuted <laughs> because we were playing in standing water and the power wasn't grounded oh my god and it was fucked up and then and that was like kind of the beginning of the band and then like when we were on our last tour this was like 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, we played that same venue. It had been updated. It wasn't still leaking water, but there was like 
hundreds of kids. It was dope. People were like swinging from rafters. It was crazy. He had a band called Take Control, which was like, okay, two notes because you just told a great everything that I listened to. It's like flashbacks for me because I'm right. thinking, let's go back. You were to, there for a lot of. It. I was there so for like, fucking goddamn everything. Yeah. Like, go back to him talking about moving out. Was that when you moved to which house? The house on twentieth. It was like Frank or Franklin and twenty with Adam. Adam had just moved out. Okay, word. I was that living was the there. House. Or no, he did. No, he did live there. Yeah. So Doyle lives there. Mind on the you, couch. He worked at a dope, the, the best burrito spot in our town. I hate saying that because I feel like it's changed and I don't, I don't fuck with it. I'm going to say that publicly right oh, now. Shit, I say it dude. all the time. Shots but this fired. is the thing. Uh, yeah, it's called Pablo's. Pablo's <laughs> is the shit and I do fuck with Pablo's. I got one of the goddamn best quesadillas you'll ever get. If you go to Cedar Falls, Iowa, please go there. Go to Pablo's. Go to fucking Pablo's. They got bomb salsa. The salsa is ridiculous. Salsa is crazy. So, but at the time, in high school, Doyle's running this whole shit, basically. Like, he's at Pablo's working there, and we would come, and at um, weekends, it was the bar night, and this shit was crazy. It was crazy, dude. It was, our, it was on our main street. Every kid that was fucking out getting fucked up would come here at 2 o'clock, like clockwork, and it would be a line out the door, and people are sitting there fucked up, and basically, the rules were like, anything goes after 2, because it's like... Dude, just sir- fights every night. Like, I remember this one dude, he was like, he was like tripping, and like, someone cut him in line. Or, or, or no, he came in and he was like small and he cut the like biggest dude in the line. He's like, I'm, I'm standing here. And the guy's like, all right, whatever. And then the guy started like, the little guy like started getting lippy with him. He's like, what'd you say? And like trying to fight him and ends up like, I like look up and this dude, just this, this guy, like this little guy, like pinned to the wall. He's about to beat the shit out of him. And uh, you know, they, his friends like get the big guy out. It was like, yo, yo, chill out. But then the little guy's like trying to like throw like chairs and like, I'm like, have to jump over the counter and I'm like, yo, you need to like chill the fuck out, right? And he like picks up a chair, like he's gonna throw it at me. I'm like, no, 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 you, you don't wanna do that. That's a mistake, dude. Like, you need to get the fuck outside. And then a bunch of people like took him out back and like beat the shit out of him. Like, it was fucking <laughs> and crazy, you, dude. It's not just Doyle, it's like all of our friends worked at this spot. Oh, yeah. It was like, I, I hired, cause like when I worked there, it was like a bunch of like, hopefully no one listens to this that worked there, but like a bunch of like burnouts and like yeah. a bunch of like hippie dudes that like really like playing disc golf and like, you know, listening to like straight up sublime and shit, which yeah. is like, Nothing wrong with supply. Right. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. My homies tours with them. Yeah. No. The, but I mean, that's like the crowd, you know, like yeah, yeah. the Grateful 100%. Dead, Sublime. Yeah, and, they love. And they love disc golf and like that's smoking weed and just smoking weed and like burritos. wearing hemp and shit. And yeah. that's cool. And I, I fucked with it. But then when I got there, I'm like, dude, I'm going to get all my friends to work here because I started working there because that was where you went after shows. Yeah. You went to Pablo's. We always Straight went to up. fucking Pablo's. It was a spot. Hell yeah. So, yeah. So I worked there. Uh, and it, that place was so good to me. Like, I, li- I, I literally remi- remember playing a show. We used to play at this venue called the Phoenix. That was right down. There was a reverb in the Phoenix. And I remember playing at the Phoenix and our friend Blaine hopped up on my car when we were just getting done loading our van up and we just played a show and he's like, dude, what's up? And he was like this young kid that would come and just like try to get involved in shows. And we're like, dude, we heard you're pregnant. You're like, got your girlfriend pregnant. And he's like. Yeah, it was literally either I bought a condom or I bought a Pablo's burrito, and you know I had to get a Pablo's burrito, and that was what he told me back then. I was like, it's just a statement that should literally Pablo's, be on their dude. website. Go to Pablo's. Go to Pablo's. Straight up. Yeah, but the, Knuckle Sandwich wrote a song about it. Knuckle Sandwich did write a song. Yeah. About it. Everybody goes. Everybody goes. Everybody goes to Pablo's. <laughs> <laughs> dude, our li- okay. I also want to express that what you were talking about earlier with um, saying like how you would. So if he booked, if Doyle booked a show. Our, our idea at the time wasn't really like you would, it was for profit. Not Anytime, at all. It was all about camaraderie, building relationships with these artists that were out of town. Not with the idea that these guys will help me later. It was just like we really fucking loved the music that we listened to and the, the culture that we were in. That your job as 
in, in that music world was if you don't if you book a show, the goal is to get that band as much money who is on tour that you could possibly give them. <laughs> I remember this this band. They were like some like random metal band. They're called the Network. They're from Network. They were like from the main, or like from Maine, yeah. or like somewhere in like Northeast area, and <laughs> they came through and they were like. You know, they, they were like a hundred dollar band. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, just you know, get us what you can. And like most of the bands at that time were, yeah. you know. But like, we like loaded up with like solid locals, and like so many kids came out, like hundreds of kids, and they were like blown away. They're like, what the hell? And then at the end of the show, I gave them like over a thousand bucks. They're probably like- they like their mind was like blown. They probably never got they. I don't know if they ever got paid that ever again. But no. like straight up, I was just like, I don't keep money. We. The most we would keep is sometimes we do like a root beer keg too, the show, you know? Crushed. Yeah. And then we would charge for cups and like whatever. We'd like make a couple bucks, but yeah. like just basically enough to pay for the root beer. And that was right. Like, that was it. And yeah. just have a good time. And that yeah. was like part of it, man. Like our, the way we organize our area code became so famous, like that people would want to, that when they tour, they knew they'd come to Cedar Falls. If they got in with the right people, the shows would be insane. They'd have such a great turnout. Because, like, you might not ever know that band from fucking Maine named The Network, and then you put enough people together and say, hey, these bands are killing it in high school, and they want to play, and they have 30 friends. This band has 40 friends. They're all going to come out and support the show. Everyone wants to hang out together. And then all of a sudden, The Network has 300 kids watching them, and they're going nuts to their music, but they might not have ever heard that shit, and then become loyal fans. But see, like, that's that was the cool thing about the Iowa music scene at the time, and I think that is still relevant today. Like, Music scenes thrive on local talent. Like, mm-hmm. and I think building those relationships with your like local community cannot be like, it cannot be undervalued enough. And right. I experienced this a ton as a booking agent, like yeah. a ton, because you know I booked some like developing artists that that there wouldn't be people at the show unless the local talent was strong. And like, we, I, I feel like at least I personally like never really took that for granted because like I grew up in that scene. Yeah. I grew up in that scene where, you know, those kids aren't that, you know, maybe they aren't that well connected and like obviously that everything comes sort of filters to the Midwest a little later than everywhere else. But like those kids were so diehard because like that was the place to go. You right. know what I mean? Like they would go to support the locals and then they'd catch this touring band. And even if they didn't know a single song, they would just be like going nuts the whole time because yeah. like that was that was sort of the community that we had fostered. And I still think that's relevant today. And I think that element is missing in a lot of scenes. You know, everyone's just like, oh, I got to be on tour all the time. I got to do this. Like, no, like develop yourself in like your local area and like build out from there. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, we can kind of get more into this a little bit later, but like you don't have to tour, you know, like 24, you know, 365 a year to like be an artist that's like really developed themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think like, look at like you had Oliver on the podcast like he's a yeah. really good example of that like he is absolutely killing it and like he's just been really and I know he's not he he's like one of those unique cases where he doesn't like it doesn't feel like he's like trying to get like massive you know he just no, he happens because he like literally doesn't when want you put to. when you put like passion first like the rest will follow right, you know right, what right, I mean right, like right. if you're chasing money all the time like you're gonna have a lot harder time coming up on it but I like when that. you like put yourself 100% into what you love and it's like the same, I feel like the same thing with the shop like and you know yeah business is a little bit different than like doing music but like a lot of the elements are the same like the way you focus things and drive things like as long as you're passionate about what you do like the rest will kind of fall into place and mm-hmm. I feel like that applies to a lot of things you know Dave the intern please take that and make that an Instagram clip god damn I don't <laughs> that shit that's fucking hard 
I but agree. like, you know, legit. I and I feel like anyone that I've talked to that I feel like has even experienced like a, a dollop of success in that sense, they've always been that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I don't f- like, and I don't really like fuck with a lot of people that chase, chase money because like it's not a personality type that I just find myself socializing with. But I think you could probably agree. Like most of the people that you know that like have developed a successful like career, like they're very passionate about what they yeah. do and they put that and their art ahead of everything else. First. You know, always. I mean, you're the same way. Yeah. You know, right. It's fucking too true. I love, I love the idea of, um, just really how, how you were able to set a precedent for like everyone in our town to like, see what you guys were like one of the first bands to truly go and tour and do it right. Like maybe like our age group, our age. Group. Yeah. There was like, definitely like fucking, um, like modern life is war and like well, yeah, bands like that. Yeah. But my like, life is war was too, famous to us by that time by that time yeah 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 so there's a band called my life is war if you don't know them look them up they're fucking incredible awesome band incredible band that drew such a fan base around the world and when they decided to break up they chose that they would do one final show they did a final tour they toured everywhere around the world and they said there was gonna be one final show and it was in marshalltown iowa which is about like 45 minutes from us it's the middle of i mean iowa as a whole if you consider that the middle of nowhere like marshalltown is like the center of that the you know center, what i mean like yeah it's absolutely nothing is there um except for the first original taco john's check it out taco john's yeah 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 but okay. but that was what they did and people flew from all over the fucking world for this show absolutely. and i think how many people do you think were there they i mean the, it was like a, a lot it was like it a, was enough that like when they started playing, like there was tons of bands. It was an awesome show. Mm-hmm. They started playing like first 15 seconds, 20 seconds. So many people like rushed the stage that the stage they had built collapsed. They built it for the show. They built it for the show and it straight up collapsed it under was the weight. Insane. There was literally like hundreds of kids trying to get on this stage. I remember being so sick. I don't, I don't know what I, I was sick with, but I was so fucking sick that I had to sleep. I like slept on the, by the wall during most of the opening show. And I wasn't feeling very good either. It was terrible. But we had like driven to a bunch of the shows, and then yeah. I booked one of the shows too. Yeah, because we played yeah, with we our band, old men to dogs played with them in the Waterloo Am- at the Ambets. Yep. Yeah. And so I remember standing on the side of the stage, and they were setting up, and I knew they were about to start the song, so I like made my spot, and my goal was just as soon as this fucking set starts, I'm gonna stage dive. <laughs> and I had my foot, my foot was like up on the side of the stage, and I'm waiting, and they're just like. My life is war from Marshalltown, Iowa. And they hit the shit. And I like got up and ran. And I, as soon as I jumped, I could feel the stage just, it like, I think the front of it just dropped. It did. And as I'm like in the crowd, everyone just goes, boosh. And it was like the weirdest feeling in my life. Like, like slow motion. Yeah. Everyone sort of like collapsing and, forward. And then they stopped the music. And someone was like, get it up. This girl's trapped underneath. It was like really crazy because I think a girl got pinned underneath the stage. I think, like, I don't think anyone was hurt. No one got hurt, but yeah, we were definitely but like. She, probably. I mean, was, like we're talking about that many people. But, it was so nice. So they broke down the stage. They got it all out of there. They started playing on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I remember like me and my buddy where Jeff, we were holding up like one of the speaker stacks because like it was, then it became a DIY show again. And Super everyone DIY. is like, okay, do your part. You know, there was like a couple like pretty big dudes. Massive dudes that were Holding like, everybody, hundreds of kids back so that the band doesn't just get literally crushed. God damn it. It was a good show. There was, there was a lot of good pictures too. Maybe I can like put it on top of this. Tony, show. that Tony, Tony took, Tony that was on this podcast. Took those photos. Took the dopest photo of like, Jeff, the singer, like up front and just hundreds of kids just like losing their mind. You have That's to, a great yeah, photo. Listen to Anthony's fucking podcast. It was oh, like Anthony, a couple episodes Anthony. ago. Yeah, yeah. Tony, Anthony, whatever you want to call him. 
But if his, he did post the illest photos from that shit, and you'll see like all these massive dudes that are like literally they chain their arms together, <laughs> they chain their arms together and just push back to keep everyone that was pushing forward away from the band so that the band could fucking get through a song. It was insane. This is Iowa, dog. This is like see, this is the shit though, and this is another thing that I'm gonna talk about yeah. when we get into the. T- booking tours do not undervalue those small markets don't do it ever because like some of the dopest shows that i booked in like my like i booked tours for like four or five years yeah four years for a long time long time we'll get to that too but um some of the dopest shows were in like you know bnc markets like not not new york city it was you know fucking somewhere in you Arkansas know. and shit. Like, yeah, like the craziest because shows. they those like smaller town kids really appreciate what they have. I think that's really cool. But we come from that. So, so. there was so there was bands like Marsh or My Life Is War, which like honestly by the time we were figuring out what music really was and we understood what they were on their way they were like like so big like we would drive to see them in minneapolis and it was like going to see fucking jay-z you know what i mean like that's (laughs) what it was like you just see them and like damn these guys made it out of iowa and they play in minneapolis now we drove three hours to get here and that was cool and then but for our age group like doyle and his homies start uh take control and that band was just Whatever I don't know. For some reason, we all just like became obsessed with the music. It was cool. It didn't. We were all young and it was chilling. It was whatever. Yeah. But they they would play shows and everyone would go nuts. I think I even remember like playing. You guys played a show at the Boathouse, which was like a famous spot for our shows in Iowa. And I remember bringing like a um like a what is that shit like when you go to the beach and you like run out and they have like the little paddle boards, but you like run and jump on it. Like a- Oh, you know what I'm talking about? wait, skim boards? Yeah, but it was like foam. It, it was, was like it was a bodyboard. A bodyboard. Yeah, I brought that shit, and I would like when the crowd would be on top of you when you I were singing that. a song. They, I would, you would like, bodyboard up. I bodyboard on the motherfucker. That sick, shit dude. was we had so You're many. Savage. They were so dope though, and they set this. They started touring, and when they started touring, we we're like, holy shit! Like we are people. Like we can do this shit. And you guys started touring. You guys would go around and play the United States. You bought a van. You guys got the first van, and then when our band started getting ready to tour, we borrowed your van. Which was the worst tour ever, but the best tour of our lives. <laughs> I was, wait, was that the tour that I was on? Yeah, because then we had Doyle come with, and I don't know why you, what you did on the tour. Did you do anything? Sold merch, maybe? Maybe sold merch, and Sean did sold merch. I don't know. We just hung out, basically. Yeah, we just hung out. It was their van. We got to use it. it fucking, we made no money. We lost all of our money. We, had, we got like, all the way out to Connecticut and then had to fucking come home after playing with Title Fight. That was cool. Title Fight and t- Tiger's Jaw played that show. Tiger's too. Jaw too. Yeah, Title Fight and Tiger's Jaw to like hundred kids. Yeah, before they were before they, they were are. big. If you know the band's references, like if not, check them out. Yeah, They're definitely good check them out. But we played I with just them. Tiger's Jaw. We literally had no money and we had to call it. We're like, yo, because the van broke down, some shit exploded. We had like this weird experience walking on the highway and like there's so many good moments from that tour. But it was uh, like trying to be like Doyle, not doing it very well. Made it we didn't do it very well either. I mean, we had... We it's, thought it, so. I know, but like... And every... I feel like any touring artist has always got that like one tour that like they totally eat shit on. We definitely had that tour. And yeah. it also ended the Northeast. For sure. Northeast was brutal. Man. It was really brutal. Those kids Those kids are like LA kids. Yeah. They don't drive. They, they don't, do not drive for shows. They fucking suck. And I remember we played... <laughs> where, where did we play? We played... This. You guys don't... Fuck no, you guys. We, we played... Uh, <laughs> we played in Buffalo and that was crazy. And then we went and played... Uh, we dropped Chris from that pool. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. damn! I wish you guys knew all these people. Yeah, because we have. Let's our, glaze through, because yeah. I feel like it yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, you're driving. We but, grabbed Christian you know. and our guitar player, and he's got anxiety and shit. And we like we're in front of a bunch of people, and they had this pool in the backyard. <laughs> we just so all, we all grab him at the same time. We brought him over and pushed him into the like <laughs> dropped. Him it was really stupid. Uh, but then we went and played in the other place in in New York. It was like two hours from the other place. Yeah, what was New the York. other? 
What's the state or the city? Damn. We played like one show in New York and that was when we like the guy didn't he took the money like from the show. He like didn't pay us. He like dipped early and like took all the show money. We're like, fuck. We had no money. We're like, damn, we better go. We want to see New York City. We've never seen New York City. So we all go to New York City. We stayed with Mario. We stayed with our homie Mario, which is a whole nother Shout shit. out, dude. Yeah. But I, we, I don't even want to get into that. No, me either. Like, straight up. You yeah. can't talk about his life. Publicly. No, you can't. That's and fucked up. We go to New York, see that shit. We're like, let's play the show in Connecticut, and then we have to go home. And we literally like had enough money to get gas. I remember like we wouldn't have been able to afford the gas in Illinois, driving through Illinois, and we That's like right. made it across the border to into Dubuque Iowa, ran out shit. of gas, and like coasted into the thing, and we were able to get cheaper on gas. On change, dude. Literally on, on change. Emptying like our pockets, being like, everyone, like me and Sean included, I feel like everyone was everyone. just like, every, all the money you have, just put it in the gas tank, we can get home, and then we'll figure it out from there. It was the best experience, and this is like, contributes to like, who we are as people, I think, because when you talk about Doyle booking shows, and literally like could say like, oh cool, I could make like a hundred bucks tonight, or I can make two hundred dollars tonight. And he wouldn't. He would a um, majority of the times until you understood that like it's fair, was like giving everything we could to these types of bands because these are the experiences we had, trying to just play music for people and build friendships. You know what like, I mean? Like I really don't like as far as like DIY booking, like before I started booking, I, I really don't know if I ever took money from a show. I mean maybe that network show, like I paid all the local I still had money left. There were so many kids at that show, it was crazy. It was but insane. like I can't think of any other, yeah. I mean, any other shows that I really took money from until we, I started booking like professionally. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. But anyway, so then whatever, as this is like our, I just, this is a staple for like what our youth was like, you know, and as we continue to grow your band, you guys end up breaking up and, and stop. How many tours do you think you guys did? You tour quite a bit. A lot. I don't yeah, know. Several tours. They, a decent amount. Yeah. They got around. Everyone knew who they were. They put this place on the map, but we started working. We, Am I fast-forwarding too much if I go into Wheelhouse? Well, I'll say this. Yeah. Touring in this band is how I met my current business partner, mm. Bailey. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we met, like, playing shows. I, he was already booking tours for his band and other bands. And he was great at it. I mean, he was an excellent booking agent. Yeah. And we, like, ended up playing some shows together. I remember the first time we, like, met up, it was, like, Thanksgiving at some, like, Chinese buffet in Oklahoma. You gotta go. But we were, like, instant homies for life. And um, that is kind of, that set the stage for how I got to where I am now, which yeah. is why, like, it really is so sequential. Like, when I look back, like, I don't regret a single thing that happened because, like, it all led to where I am now. And right. I'm happy with my life. So it's, like, I feel like in a lot of sense, like, I don't know when you look back and think about things, like if you are happy with where you're at, you can't be bummed about anything that happened, you know? But, um, I guess I can go from there. Yeah, go for um, it. so met Bailey booking shows for him and then started working for this venue as a talent buyer. Um, I really like bullshitted my way into that job. I mean, it's like any, any job, you sort of fake it till you make it. And that was like no exception. Like I came in for my interview and I was like, oh, I've been booking all these shows, blah, 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 which was true, but like not on like a thousand cap venue level, right? you know? But I knew the concepts, like I had a lot of friends in that industry. And so I just had them send me like their offer sheets and shit like that. So I could get really like, I was really learning as I went. And this and is you pitching to what? Wheelhouse? To Barmuda, the company. Yeah, Barmuda. Um, before Wheelhouse opened. And right, so right. I came on to Wheelhouse as a, as a talent buyer. And so we're buying shows and I'm like... Fucking lying. Straight up. <laughs> so I mean, it I mean, was cool. Like, it, it, I had done it, but I just hadn't done it on that scale. But like you have to like... I don't know. Like that's the only way to get into that. Yeah. It's like build up and then, you know. And I do feel like I brought 
a sense of experience that no one at that company had because they ran nightclubs and restaurants. Yeah. They had no idea how to book like bands and shit like that. And handle shows. like And the actual to... production of a show, they, they had no clue. Yeah. Um, and so did that. And, and this is a cool venue. This venue, by the way, is like they built it um, – Stay of the art, everything at the time. They bought the the best mixer you could get. It was so expensive. Twenty thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, it wasn't like the best, but it was like, like a really good digital yeah. console that tons of touring artists. I mean, they still like use it. Yeah. I mean, people come in, they plug in their USB, and like all their settings pop up, and yeah. they're good to go. It was crazy. Yeah, it was dope. And and the venue held like a thousand people cap, I think, or twelve hundred. It maybe. was technically eight, but we pushed it to a thousand. Push yeah, for sure. sure. Whatever, it's close. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. But the venue is no longer exists. It no longer exists. But we were there. Through it all, basically. Start to finish. Yeah, start I mean, to finish. straight up start to finish. Yeah, it was crazy. And I, I, the dude that worked above me, he doesn't work there anymore either. He made like a ton of really terrible like talent buying decisions. And that is actually why we launched The Banger. That mm-hmm. was like where that came from. Is we, like the venue was like bleeding money because like all these stupid like tours are getting bought. Just terrible bands, like old shitty rock like, bands that come with, you know, I don't want to like shout any of them out because like. Uh, you know, I don't want to like someone to come after me, but bad like casino acts that casinos can throw tons of money away because people are gonna stay there and yeah. gamble, but a venue can't do that. No. And we started this like event, me and Schmidt, and you were in on that. Yeah. Um, it was like an EDM night, and we started with like, and this is good for any like event promoter because we started this with just an idea, like a concept to build an event that people were like super psyched on, just literally all hype, like one hundred percent hype. All based off of local. It was at the it, time. At it first, like the first, local. the first banger was just local DJs. We went to the dollar store. We spent a hundred bucks on dumb props. You set up a photo booth in the corner that had like posters that we printed off in the background. So we ran a photo booth all night yep. and had like bought like a fuckload of glow sticks, ran some drink specials, and then just pumped some music. And yeah. people did the first one. We did like straight up nine hundred kids. The second one we flew. Castlevania from like East oh, Coast. Yeah. He came out, and it was it, it got like, it, that was the, like thirteen hundred kids. The third one in an was eight hundred like, person. Room. Yeah, I mean like in, we're talking about sellout, line out the door, ins and outs. In winter, in, the in winter, winter people snowing. are you filmed all of it because you did it. all these like highlight videos that also like sort of built into that hype. Yeah, and like we just turned this like nothing like just concept into like this thing that like was literally it probably kept the venue afloat like it was crazy. a few months longer because like it, it was what we needed every night to be like but like it wasn't gonna happen but um i performed with nat this is a sidebar to this i performed with nappy roots <laughs> i forgot performed, about that i opened for nappy Shit. roots at we that did venue. some cool like we did a lot of like bullshit active rock stuff because that was kind of that world but yeah. like also we did some cool stuff yeah, like tokyo shows. police club played yeah, there tokyo police that was club. sick we opened for them too that was crazy Long Nights played that. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I played all the good shows. Yeah, you did. Yeah, that was dope. Not we, an accident. No. no. I mean, I remember pitching them when they were talking about opening that venue. I was like, yo, you guys should have me. I wanted to be a runner really bad. I was like. You want to go buy groceries Yeah, really I really wanted to buy groceries really <laughs> bad. For the, but I had done it one time for you and I when, like, uh, Jay Sean played. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Going down, down, mm-hmm. down, down. He played, and I, like, drove them around. I was like, oh, that was cool. I had to drive like an artist around. That was dope. And then I pitched them that in photography. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. And then I was like the weirdest blend ever. It was I so want to be the runner and the photographer. <laughs> yeah. And it, <laughs> like, but it worked. And then I got out like, and do it running because I was like, I don't know any of this vegan shit, dog. Like, I, can't, I can't shop for these Especially in Iowa, dude. Yeah. Like you got a vegan come to Iowa. And they're like, uh, I've never heard of yeah, that. I, was I don't like, know. What the like, fuck is he talking about? Yeah. I spent so much time shot. It was terrible. But anyway, that venue 
crushed. The bangers were insane. That blew up. And then we ended up shutting it down. Because the, all the bad talent buying decisions like sank it. And so like we had like two weeks notice, yeah. you know, from like up top. And they're like, hey, we got to close this down. It's like hemorrhaging money. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, totally makes sense. but then they were like, we want to keep you on. Like, we love what you did with the banger. Like, you know, can you move over to this like nightclub? And like, it was kind of failing at the time. And they're like, do what you did there and take it over to this nightclub. And I was like, nah. And then they like offered me more money. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, right. Cool. So I went over and like, you know, fresh coat of paint, updated the sound and then like did some shit. And then that place got really crazy. It was insane. But I guess moving backwards a little bit, Bailey, my current business partner hit me up while I was at wheelhouse. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to start a booking agency. And I want you to be an agent. I, you know, like I'd been booking shows and shit and like I need the drill. And that's when that started. So you were remotely doing, he's living in Seattle. He's living in Seattle. I'm doing it in Iowa. I mean, it's all on the computer anyways. Like you don't have to be face to face with anybody, but you know, so I'm booking and doing the venue and that didn't stop when I went to the nightclub, went to the nightclub, things would be popping and I'd be sitting back in my office like low-key like sending emails for like tours and so shit funny. like literally like we're talking like midnight things are like the like, best bumping yeah the like, best time to be there like sold out like still you know like the the nightclub would be one in one out and i'd be like in back like shooting out some emails and then i'd like get back out on the floor and make sure everything was cool and like check on the bartenders and then like shoot out some more emails yep. it was a crazy like time in my life and, for at sure. the, and you hired you did it again like we're at the pablo's you hired your friends at, at Mojo's. oh yeah it was our friends Dude, too Mojo's. It, was like, it was all friends like, like all homies and the entire staff that worked there was like super tight because yeah. like we dealt with like the most insane shit like, and the most insane shit and like this is what ends up like you know i mean you're sitting here booking for bailey and at some point i mean it gets very low for you at Mojo's. Yeah, so... You're working at this club called Mojo's or whatever. Yeah, it's Mojo's the nightclub. They tore it down recently. Yeah, they, I just, just, they actually literally, there. I just saw it torn down over yeah. Christmas, I think. Yeah, I, just, I was there two weeks ago. It's weird. Yeah. But anyways, I was I was working. There was like a big fight at the end of the night, and it was getting pushed outside. And this was like pretty commonplace. Like, it wasn't a big deal. All the security that worked there were fucking top notch. You know, it was, it was a routine night until like shit went out of hand. But like, we're out in the street, and I'm like, yo, like... I'm yelling at these dudes. I'm like, yo, get out of here. Like, do yourself a favor. Cause like, this is like in like the crazy part of the college district. I'm like, cops are already on their way. Like yeah. you've already caused a scene. Like do yourself a favor. If you don't leave, like they will arrest you. Like do yourself a favor, get out of here. And I was yelling at this one dude. And then next thing I remember, it's like four hours later. Some dude had like come up behind me and like hit me on the chin and like lights out. And I'm like, like on the ground. Yeah, just like from behind, like hit, hit the back of your chin, which is like the power button. If, if you've never been punched in the face, like don't get hit in the jaw because right. it sucks. Um, and put me on the ground and he's like fucking me up when I'm unconscious, like just like messing me up bad. And like one of the security guards uh, who's like, I still keep in contact with him. He's the best dude ever, Buttons. Yeah, Buttons. He like shit. ripped this dude off and like handled him, you know? And but it was he was like, like an MMA guy. Yeah, like, he like still, he I think like, he's still like training maybe, MMA. I know he train. I know he trains. Yeah, I don't know what he if he still fights, but right. he was amateur fighting at the time. Yeah, and like I was like unconscious, face down on the ground, and this dude is like kicking my head, like stomping on my head. And yeah, shit. your face was like fucked. Fucked. Up. So, like first thing I remember is I'm like I like come to like I've been a, I was only unconscious for a couple minutes apparently, but like I I lost hours of time, and I the next thing I remember you know. Last thing I remember, bar closed, hundreds of people outside, chaos everywhere, fights, you know, every, all the security guards are like tied up with these different dudes. Next thing I remember, I'm sitting upright in the bar, I'm, like, I'm covered in blood, like straight up, like it looks like 
I got massacred. And I'm like holding my face and I'm like confused because everyone's gone. There's two bartenders. Sean was there. Yeah. And Shout out to my uh, boy Sean. Sean, my boy Sean. Um, and a, a manager from a different nightclub is there closing shit down for me. And I'm like, what happened? Like, I was just so confused because I just lost hours of time. And Sean is like, what do you mean? I was like, what happened? Like, I just, I had been conscious and awake, but like my brain just like clicked, like kind of woke back yeah. up. Like I turned away an ambulance, like all this shit had happened and I don't remember any of it. And then I kind of came to again. And I'm like, where am I? You know what I mean? And Sean's like, oh shit, we gotta get you to the hospital. So like, <laughs> so he like, he like puts me in his truck and like takes me to the ER, and like they like do like a bunch of scans and shit. And it turns out like I've got a major concussion, memory loss. I have three fractures in my right cheekbone, like two breaks in my nose. Like I had to see like a, I had to like consult with a plastic surgeon the next day to make sure that my like face wasn't gonna collapse. You know, like they're like, yo, don't sneeze. Like don't pick up anything over fifteen pounds. And I'm like. Dude, fuck that. Like, I, I, at the time, I was just like, I already wasn't like at a great point in my life because I was managing a fucking nightclub. Yeah. You know, like, I, it's not what I dream for You're myself. Like, <laughs> I don't drink and yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. managing this nightclub. <laughs> it was fun. There was like some fun times there, there but I, time. I was like ready to leave already. Right. And then this shit happened and it's like a sign. And I'm like, you know, I'm not like, I'm, I, I believe that things happen for a reason most of the time, you know? And I'm just like, I, this is it. Like, this is my son. Like, I've got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I call Bailey and I'm like, yo, I need to leave. I need to leave right now. And meanwhile, the dude that fucked me up, he had gotten arrested. Like, as it happened. I found him on Facebook. Bragging about knocking me out. Yeah, he literally, they didn't know who the dude was. And then we kind of like had an idea and I found the dude's Facebook and he like wrote on his Facebook wall. No, they arrested him that night. They arrested him. They arrested him, but he he they didn't keep him. Like he got he went out on bail. Yeah. And the state asked me to press charges, and I'm like, nah, like I'm not interested in that. And at the time too, there was like, like hella gang activity, and I'm a lot like, of gang activity. I'm like, yo, I'm not interested. I mean, like on any level, I I had already made the decision to move, which we'll get to. But um, I, I was just like, that's not my game. Like he's a kid. He was like, you know, like mid twenties. I'm mm-hmm. like. I want to fuck this dude's life up. Like, yeah, he was like all worked up and riled up, but like that's that happens. Yeah. It's natural. Like, I don't blame him. I, I mean, it was a dumb thing to do, but I'm not. I mean, we like, did that to some Nazis. Uh, yeah, like, we'll, at the reverb. We'll leave that. <laughs> we'll leave that alone. It happened, but like, whoopsies. Yeah, uh, but like, I didn't want to like fuck this dude's life up, yeah. but he, the state picked up the case anyways and put him away for like ten years. He's that's crazy. He might just be now getting out, or no, he's still in for sure. What was that? six years seven years ago he's st- he's probably still in they Shout used to send that. me notices and shit but like <clears throat> that's crazy i like wouldn't testify i'm like no fuck that dude like i'm not interested in this i'm moving to seattle i'm getting the fuck out of here i have no interest in this so but i took it as a sign i called up bailey when when all this shit happened i'm like yo i need to get out of here like i need to change a pace like i can't do this anymore and he's like dude i actually have a roommate that's moving out right now you can move in two weeks and i'm like cool so I went to... This is after you got the shit beat out of you? Yeah. Okay. I, as soon as I was like healed-ish, yeah. like it was like a couple days His after. His face was fucked. It was gnarly. You, is there a picture somewhere? Somewhere. Like deep. Can I, I don't even like it. Dude, I, dude, it would take me so long to find it. It was, it was crazy. It you wouldn't was recognize nuts. me. Like my face was like huge and like... Oh man. I, it, was, it was gnarly. But I went in, like walked in the corporate office. I had these huge sunglasses on because I was just so fucked up and super self-conscious about how my face... I felt like... A hideous monster. Yeah, like, yeah. Even like going in the coffee shop, like who my wife 
I met her there and she, we weren't dating yet. And even she was like, holy Ew. shit. Yeah. Like, no, she was very nice. Freak? Like everyone was concerned because like it was not a big town and people heard about it. Yeah. Like, everyone heard about my, it. I like my folks, like I had to have Sean hit my folks up and be like, yo, he's alive. Cause like straight up, like people heard that I died, like, which is like the most insane thing, but God, like damn, rumors I circulate, you know? But I called Bailey and he's like, yo, I got a roommate moving out. And so I like walked into the corporate office and I'm like, yo, I'm putting in my two weeks and I'm out of here. And the dude on the company is like, you know, what can I do to convince you to stay? And I was like, you do not have enough money in the world. There's not enough money in the world to get me to stay here. Like, you do not have enough money. Like, straight up. I'm out. And so I sold. Like, I had a bunch of furniture and shit that I'd accumulated. You just accumulate shit when you live somewhere long enough. And I sold it all. And I had this little two-door Celica at the time. Everything that I kept, I put in that two-door Celica. And I drove across the country to see Riley. With Riley. Who also helps me run a bunch of the back end shit on Black and Cream. Riley, what up? Yeah. Um, he, I was just like, yo, if I fly you back from Seattle. And he was like not loving his job either. Yeah. And I actually think he might have just quit too. He was working on ice. But Probably. regardless, he drove out with me, which is good because I was on like hella pain meds and you should not drive when you're yeah, on like yeah, Viking yeah. and stuff. Shit gets a little loopy. And so he like drove out to Seattle, crashed for a few days out in Seattle and then flew home, which was cool. It yeah. was really, shouts to Riley because yeah. that was dope. Um, and I just like started this new life in Seattle. I didn't know anybody. I didn't really have a plan per se. I was just like sort of in this mode where I was just like, you know, I'm going to say yes to everything. Yeah. Like I'm not going to turn down anything. I love that. And so I like was living in Seattle, booking tours, not making enough money booking tours by them by itself. So I started working at this print shop. Like it was at run out of the house that we lived in, in like a little mother-in-law suite downstairs. It was kind of a dope setup, like for being super DIY because yeah. like, we like we had tons of dogs at the house and like we were there all day and so we just like let the dogs run free all day like we had a big fence in backyard and shit and we just like print merch out of the basement and I would like I started like cleaning screens and like just doing like odd jobs you know and did that and that whole year was like amazing like it was a good year like I you know like climbed a couple mountains and like not literally literally like I did like a two day hike up Mount Adams which was like the dopest thing I've ever done yeah and um, did a bunch of cool shit. Because so Loki, you got like r- really active. Because you used to be like bigger and shit, and you just yeah. Like, well, cut I just like did like weight. a lot of like rock climbing yeah. and like uh, the Puget Sound. I mean, if you've never been to the Pacific Northwest, like go to the Pacific Northwest. It's I mean, if you're into nature shit, like it's untouchable. Fucking crazy. But like we kayak like all the time in the mm. Puget Sound and like do a bunch of rock climbing. I like uh, started doing like indoor climbing at this this really dope gym up there and like. I loved it. It was like such a healthy place for me to be. It was like a fresh breath of air. Like I, I felt like everything was like complete shit when I was in Iowa. Even my, like I told my family and shit, I'm like, yo, I'm moving in two weeks. Like I'm moving to Seattle. And they were all like, that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Like everyone, like, like my grandma who's like one of my best friends on earth. She was like, I think she like low key thought I was on drugs. Like, because like I was so unhappy and like sickly when I was like living in Iowa because I wasn't sleeping and Damn. doing anything, you know? Most of my friends had like, I'd lost contact with a lot of them because I did nothing but work. We worked all the time. It was crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just lose contact. Even some of the show booking, like I was still booking shows, but like I wouldn't even be able to go. I'd have to have somebody else run it for me. Yeah. I just like let things spiral. And so I got to Seattle and it was like, like fresh breath of air. Like, it was such a good, positive place to like start over. Yeah, it was incredible. And so I lived there for a year and was still booking tours, you know, really loving that, working at the print shop, sort of developing that as well. And then 
you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but they, you know, my current business partner and his old partner had like a falling out and the old business partner approached me and was like, I want you to buy me out. And again, I was still in this like yes man mode where I was just like, nah, I think I'd seen that movie maybe recently. Did you ever see that? Yes man with, uh, I think it, who the fuck played Jim Carrey. Yeah, Jim Carrey, I think. I want to say Jim Carrey, but I don't know if I'm confusing that with Bruce Almighty, but like, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not important. It's like, yeah. he was like, I sort of loosely remember the plot. He had to say yes to everything. Some, some curse or some shit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's also funny because I, I don't know how many times I fucking promote that in this goddamn podcast. Yes, man. No, just not the movie. Jim Carrey. I knew you guys need to see the movie, guys. I'm telling you, the, the times that I've seen the movie, I promote the movie all the time. We go back, flash back to where paid, I was like, when I first saw it. Like, it was very nice. No, I talk about saying yes. Just like the ability to like, when I moved here, all I did was say fucking yes, even if I had no clue what the it's fuck I was so doing. Impor- it's so fucking important. Because like at the time, I was just like, it was so like the amount of money, I, you know, I obviously won't get too far into that either, but like it was the amount of money I'd never held in my own two hands. But I was still like, what do I have to lose? Like right now I'm like just floating and I really needed that time to like reset. But like, I was like, yeah, I've never even thought about, I'd always wanted to be, I'd always wanted to own my own business, yeah. but I'd never really like thought about doing merch or whatever. But like, I like merch. Yeah. I wore merch. I bought merch. Bought merch a lot. And to probably too much merch. Bought way too much. Um, but so he approached me to like buy out his half. It was kind of messy, but it happened. And a month later, we literally, we, I bought in, and a month later, we moved to, we, like, that night sort of decided, like, we should move to California. And Why? so was there, was there any, like, reason? Like, we was had, like, better? we, every time I had gone, I, when I was still living in Iowa, I'd come out to Santa Barbara all the time to visit Rob, who yeah. you should probably have on this podcast. I should. I would love to. Rob Clausen. Rob Clausen. Amazing photographer. Amazing photographer. Works for the hundreds. Yeah. Just killing it. Yeah. Absolutely killing it. Awesome photography. Check it out. Mm-hmm. But I'd come out of Santa Barbara all the time and visit Rob, and I loved California. I always loved SoCal. I thought it was like the dopest place on earth. Hell it was yeah. always paradise. You know, yeah. we'd hang out at the beach. And like, So I always kind of wanted to eventually make my way down here. Same thing with my business partner. We had just done a Mexican tour with uh, his band. Great oh, yeah. We did Mexico and then like ended. It was the craziest tour ever, and like we ended in a really crazy night in Tijuana, and then like the next day we like walked across the border to San Diego and had this like amazing day just chilling on the beach and stuff. And we both were like, "Yeah, we should move here, like for sure." So like I bought out his old business partner, and we were both like, "We should move to California." And so like literally, we put in our thirty day notice like with our landlord right away, and then that night bought tickets for the next day to fly down to California. And so we flew to Long Beach and like chilled with our buddy Nate for like, he let us crash there for like four or five days and just grinded, like trying to find a place. Is that why you guys chose Long Beach? Is because you had a friend in Long Beach? We chose Long Beach because, and this isn't so much the case anymore, but at the time it was like the cheapest coastal spot in like the LA area that you could live and like right. own a business. And so um, it's not really that way anymore, but. At the time, it was like, oh, this is the spot to be. So we flew down, and we literally were just, like, on Craigslist, like, find, trying to find a place to be, right? Like, trying to find a warehouse. Not even a warehouse. Just, like, we had been used to operating out of a house. And we didn't want to do that anymore because there's a lot of problems with that. So we spent days, like, literally morning to night trying to find a place to open up shop because we had already put in our 30 days in Seattle. So we had to move. By the time we were done with this five-day trip, we had to have a place to be. And we weren't finding shit because we had 
um, shot too low on like how much space we'd need. And then we realized that was too low. And so we had all this stuff lined up to look at spots that were too small. Yeah. So we were like at like a Starbucks or some shit in like a Ralph's or whatever. And like leeching internet. And we found the spot downtown Long Beach and I called the dude and I'm like, yo, can you show it to us? And he's like, why don't you go look at it first? Like go look through the window. And then if you're interested, call me. And so I'm like, oh, that's a little weird, but whatever. So like we go, <laughs> we go down and go check it out and we can't really see anything because there's a big, it's like a front office and then there's like a big wall like at the front. So I call him, I'm like, it looks cool. Like, can you come down and check it out? Or like let us in so we can scope it. And he comes down and he's like an old punk rock dude. He's got a black flag tattoo. I have, I have a black flag tattoo. And so we were like instantly like, yes, this is awesome. You know, this is cool. And he was like all psyched because like he was. Did like he old think punk it was dude. shitty or something? Why do you say that? Like, go look. Well, because like he's people probably like, get hit up all the time to be like, oh, can you let us? You know, yeah. we want to check it out because it was like downtown or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then they see it, they're not that interested. It was like an underground, like kind of dingy spot. So it's like I get it. Yeah. But we're like, it was like an office space, and we like I. Hopefully, I don't know. It's cool. But like, it was like an office space and he's like, we're like, can we like tear down some walls and shit? And he's like, Ike, you can do whatever you want to it. And so we literally like spent like the first couple weeks we were there like gutting this place. Just demoing and... But what's crazy is I just totally skipped over this. So anyways, we signed the lease. We go back to Seattle, pack all our shit up. We're doing this crazy order. Crazy for us at the time. Doing this crazy order and like literally packing as we go. We moved down to... Long Beach, we drive like straight up, like 24. Like a huge U-Haul or something. We rented a 20-foot U-Haul, crammed all our shit into it. I sold my car, left it in Seattle, sold it. Sean drove his truck down. Sean from, from yeah, Mojo's. From the guy we shouted out earlier. The, the Sean guy, Skyber, yeah. Sean Skyber. Which I want on here sometime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Me and Sean have been in bands since day one. Like, And he does. He was in his bands. Like we've all been. He does awesome video shit. His video like, shit. Nine One Films. Fuck, yeah. Like yeah. they're doing cool stuff. They're really Check dope. them out. Um, so... We drove down. I was sick as fuck. Like, I remember, like, eating, like, a Taco Bell burrito on the way down and, like, throwing it up, like, outside of the parking lot. Like, not feeling good. And we get down, and there's, like, a bunch of bands. We had, our, we had friends already down in Long Beach that we were moving into a house with. And, um... Didn't you move into the dude from fucking Comeback Kids? Yeah, Kyle, who was playing... At the time, he was playing drums uh, for this band, the hardcore band, Comeback Kid, and his wife. And... They had found a house for us, which was really cool. And so me and Sean moved in with them. And But the first night, there was like there was a tour that had come through town. And so we had this like empty-ass house. And we had like three bands staying in this house. So we parked the U-Haul. We couldn't get keys until the next day because we showed up like pretty late. Like, I don't know, at night at yeah. some point. And so, so we were going to get keys in the morning to yeah. go unload the U-Haul. So we parked it like right outside of our house. Literally, that U-Haul's there for, like, maybe six hours. And someone came at, like, three in the morning and stole it with all of our shit in like, it. Like, took the fucking U-Haul. Literally, like, and I don't know how no one heard this thing fire up because we had probably 20 people sleeping in this house this night. Like, just mat- air mattresses fucking everywhere. No one had, like, anything because yeah. we hadn't pa- unpacked anything. Right. All my shit was in there, plus all the company shit that I had just bought half of. And someone fucking took the U-Haul, like, in the middle of the night. God and we were woken up to a phone call from Corona PD, which is like an hour plus away from Long Beach, saying, hey, we found your U-Haul uh, in Corona. It's like mostly empty, but we got it, so you should come pick it up. 
We're like, holy shit. We like couldn't even believe it. Run outside. Sure enough, U-Haul's gone. This thing had only been in there for like a couple hours. Oh and they boosted in the middle of the night and took it and like emptied it out. And the cops like fucked it up so bad. Like the, they released the U-Haul like right away back to U-Haul. Like didn't do like proper investigative work. So like all the people, because they caught the dudes like unloading it in the middle of the night. Yeah. And they all got off. Like every single one of them. And how? Like, what do you mean? I have no idea, like, how this was allowed to happen, but, like, because they had released the U Haul to U Haul too quickly, like, they couldn't do, like, any, like, fingerprinting or any of that shit. And so, literally, all these fools got off. And so, um, it was, and we had bought, like, the premium insurance through U Haul. They said, like, when we got it, they're like, oh, this covers everything under the sun. And, it, it does cover the theft, but it does not cover the theft of the contents of the U-Haul. They've changed that sense, apparently. But Fucking they loopholed us. So we literally probably lost, like, I would say, like, 50 to 60 grand of shit, like, right off the bat. And a startup, too, dog. Literally, like, like a tiny-ass shop. Like, all the merch. We had a whole merch store. All that was gone. They were stealing equipment. They broke a bunch of shit. Like, we literally, this is day one of being in California, and we're, like, Fucked. Like, like I'm, Bailey and I are looking at each other like, this might be it. Like, we, like, this might be it. We might be done. Straight up. We just signed a two-year lease. Like, oh all this crazy God. shit. And we're starting completely from scratch. And I'm panicked because I just spent all this money. All this money. Like, Got buying this out. company. Literally, like, a month before. And we have nothing now. Pretty much, like, completely bare bones starting over. And... We got super lucky, and this is the importance of having really fucking awesome friends. A bunch of bands heard what had happened and put in like big orders with us, cash in advance. And so we're literally buying equipment to print these orders. And it gave us like tons of time. They're like, we don't need this for a month, you yeah. know? Bands like Comeback Kid, Bane, you know, uh, this band Trapped Under Ice, like all hooked it up super hard for us. Like, Some of really like the biggest, on. these are like the biggest bands in the In that, that world, they were world. like instrumental. Yeah. And they literally like, saved overcast like they are responsible for overcast still existing because like we literally were buying equipment with the money that they used to pay for their order to print their order and like me and b didn't take a check for literally like probably four months like straight up like nothing and living off like just eating ramen and like i was i didn't have a car so I was like sleeping. We're doing all this demo work, like we which we did all ourselves, of course, and like tore down like all these like partitioning walls and stuff like that. And we're doing all this demo work. And you know what? Spirits are like, cons- like considering all the shit that happened. Spirit, we had a lot of fun. Like yeah. I remember, like me, Sean, and Bailey, like tearing that place down and like having a good time doing it, which was crazy. Like considering everything that had just happened, I think we were all still in a little bit of shock and right. like, disbelief. But like we had a good, really good time. We we're tearing it down. But I remember like sleeping in the shop, like, and I had my dog. And we would, it was either like walk, you know, an hour and a half at like two in the morning through fucking Long Beach to get home or like just sleep there, you know? So like I would just like curl up, cover myself in t-shirts in like the back office and like sleep, you know? But like, that's like some of the shit that you gotta, like you gotta do it, you know? Like you have your hustle. Like I remember when you first moved here, you were straight up sleeping on floors and shit, like to make it, you you gotta do what you gotta do. You know what I mean? Like what's, what's the alternative? Like you just fold up, like you just fold, you know, you just get to give up or like, are you going to be like, all right, this is really shit, but like, I'm gonna make the best of it. And like, we really, our friends pulled through for us in like a super major way. My girlfriend at the time, now wife was like instrumental in like me personally did being she, able to, did she move to Seattle? No. So she moved, 
I, she was going to move to Seattle. We, she had made the decision. She was graduating college. She had made the decision to move to Seattle because she'd come out and visit and really liked it. We were doing the long distance thing for about like six months. And then I told her like, oh, Psych. hey, surprise, <laughs> we're moving to Long Beach in like a month. And she's like, I've never been to California, but all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so like she straight up blind moved to California Crazy. to like, to, that's why we're married. She's like the dopest girl yeah. on earth. Uh, God damn. She's cool. She's awesome. But she is literally like, she helped keep us afloat for those first like four months. No check, no money coming in, zero. Every dollar that shop made went back into the shop existing. And it was really like that for a while. Like I would say the first year, you know, like not really taking a check. Like, I mean, we were taking checks, but very small, just enough to get by. Like how, okay, oh, rent's due. Okay, here is your rent. Or, oh, you actually like do not have any food. Here is a small amount for groceries. Like, and it was like that for a while, you know? And that's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, it made us, like, way stronger. Hell like, yeah. there was some really stressful times in those first couple of years that were, like, really brutal. Like, we flew, like, pretty under the radar for a while on, like, a lot of shit. Yeah. And it wasn't until, like, really a couple years ago that we were able to, like, expand. And, like, because we spent so much time catching up. Right. And that was, that was, those were tough. It was tough times. Like, thinking back on that, I'm like, wow, like, holy fuck. Yeah. I can't believe we, like, did that, you know, because now it's, like, things are going really well and, like, you know, it's growing and growing and growing. It's growing and growing and growing. And, and like we get to like print for all these like fucking amazing people and artists. And, and I think about the origin story and like all the crazy shit that happened. And I'm like, damn, like that was nuts. You know, those Isn't are like crazy ass times. Crazy. Like think about, think about what you guys, it's interesting to actually think about that. Like where would you guys be right now if you hadn't gotten all of your shit taken from you? I don't, well see like, this kind of comes back to what I'm saying earlier. Like you can't regret it. I don't, I'm not bummed that that happened because like I'm really happy with where we're at now and like everything that happens like leads to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing I don't know where if we had moved in you know maybe we'd be way ahead of where we are now but maybe we wouldn't you know like that really like strengthened our resolve and helped us like it still helps us I think get through the tough times like when when things kind of stack up it's like yeah but I mean remember that shit like that shit was crazy we did that we can do this you know and I think that that's really important like and that that really bridges to a lot of a lot of people's stories like everyone has to overcome adversity like it makes you a better person you know like it makes you stronger you know like when you break a bone they always say that like comes back like stronger that that applies to a lot of things like you if you don't overcome those those issues you don't like you you just you learn a lot about your own abilities and your own strength and your own mental will when you have to overcome shit like that Mm -hmm. and like that's important like owning your own business is it's hard as yeah. fuck and there's a lot of time and energy that goes into that and like it's not for everybody but if you teach yourself that you can do these things and you can overcome these issues like it makes you a, like mentally a stronger person i think that's super important you know and everyone's got that everyone's got things they've run into you're no exception to that like you were sleeping on floors and shit and now like you're killing it you know it's Crazy. Up. i fucking love that that's so unfortunate, obviously, but it only makes sense to your credibility now as a business owner and how fucking far you guys have come. Like the amount of, and the people that you guys have worked for are dope. There's people that you've worked for that you can't talk about contractually or whatever. You you just NDAs and whatnot. Yeah. But like, who would you say are some of the illest people that you've worked with? At we this did point? like a print project for Playboy that I I loved. I thought it was like so much fun that we did like all this like these like old like military jackets that they like repurpose and like it was really sick we we were 
collabing and we still work with this company, Lot, Stock and Barrel, a ton. They're LA based company. They fucking kill it. They do pop-up shops and like they had a pop-up shop on Fifth Avenue, New York on, um, in, uh, North Face where they would do like custom, like work in North Face, like doing all these like, that's sick people would buy shit and then take it to them and be like, I want this on it. And they would just do these like amazing, and they do amazing work. They have actual like brick and mortar shops here in, in LA, like look them up, go check them out. The shit is fucking sick. And everyone on that team, they are like hustlers beyond hustlers. Like, and, and so they provide you. So like we, we like collab on shit, okay. you know, like they would like, we would do the print work or like the embroidery work, patchwork. And they would like, you know, re like tool these like different garments and stuff. And it's so dope to like, we would go on like playboy site and they would be See, in their merch, you know, like, like crazy. buy online. I was like, Oh fuck. I literally had my hands on that. And like, we've done like work for Levi's, you know, we work for, um, right now we're doing the Aaron style festival. That's dope. We've done that for years. Like those are all like, I don't I, We do full fulfillment for like this band, Manchester orchestra. We do like Huge. all their tour supply, all their web stuff. If you haven't listened to them, they just put out like, my favorite record of the year a last year. Um, you know, we do, and we do web store fulfillment. Like we just took over this dude, Andrew McMahon. He is like, who is that? He was in this band, something corporate, like in the early ish two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. And that. then he did this band, Jack's mannequin after that. Now oh, he does. He his, did Jack's mannequin. Yeah. That's him. And now he's got an, another band. He's like reinvented himself like so many times. And it's like, as an artist and as a person, he is like the dopest dude. Like, um, man, I haven't thought about Jack's mannequin in so long. Andrew McMahon in the wilderness is his current band and they kill it. They're absolutely. Yeah, sure and as a human being, he is like one of my favorite people. Crazy. Like he like has overcome so much shit. He does a nonprofit called dear Jack, the dear Jack foundation and works with like, um, cancer patients. And Dope. it is like the coolest shit ever. Very but cool. like, my face-to-face with Andrew is always amazing. He is someone that cares more about his fans than anyone I've ever met in my entire life. Like, That's sick. The whole time I've spent in this industry, like I can say he's like one of the most genuine human beings on earth. Damn. So it's cool. But we yeah. get to do a lot of shit like that, and I love it. It's great. I mean, and you worked with Frank Ocean and shit too, right? Yeah, we, we did like an embroidery project for Frank. That was cool. Um, it was kind of like one of those things I didn't realize it was for Frank Ocean until like the invoice kind of came around. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because it was like one-off. It was like like one-off like design shit. It was cool. I mean like – we do shit for like YouTube Red and like it's that's tight. It's fucking sick. Yeah. Like this, the again, like looking back to where we started and like where we're at now, like it's really cool. Work Would you say that being um, the transition to just be in LA is crucial as far as building up clientele in that world? Because think about now, like the amount of artistry that's out here, the amount of like talent online in the digital space. Like, are you falling yeah. into more of that being here? Well, and like I felt that way booking tours too like I felt really pigeonholed when I was in Iowa because I wasn't really like making connects like there is definitely something to be said you know what you feel like oh you should just be able to develop yourself wherever you're at but I'm telling you like straight up being in like a cultural hub like New York City or LA or like any like major area like you are gonna just network more you're gonna meet more people like it is inevitable like you go to a show and like you run into like the craziest shit I heard you talking about when you had like went to you were like at a bar and like ran into like Donald Glover. Like that's the shit that happens Crazy. when you live in places like this. You know yeah. what I mean? And like there is a lot of value to that. It, it you know, the the caliber of of clients that we have now is definitely um geographically like driven in a lot of sense. There's a lot of companies 
and you know merchandise companies that wouldn't be able to work with us because of yeah. you know well you guys have to ship out of Alabama or you know what I mean right. like being in an area like this makes things a lot easier and I I firmly believe that not only on like the merchandise end but also like when you're doing you know any sort of talent management talent booking like there's a reason those offices are in you know Toronto LA you know yeah. Nashville New York like it's because of that's where the fucking talent it's, it's at. where the talent is at and and not just that but they will always every tour will go through those cities mm-hmm. that's FaceTime with with directly with your clients like if you're the one booking the talent you need to be going to the shows you oh, need yeah. to be developing those relationships that's really really important mm-hmm. and being in a major area like this helps like I, when I moved here I met so many people like I I started when when we moved here. I was still booking tours. So was Bailey. Like right. we both were doing tours and doing the merch company. Moved and to LA. When we moved to LA, right. we were still doing both. And like, there's a reason for that. Like when we were here, we made so many more connects and met so many more bands. And like, I, it was really important. And I'm still friends like with a lot of those industry people because like we developed really close relationships mm-hmm. and like, Shit, I like grabbed dinner with a couple last night. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's it's really important. You build friendships, and that really goes a long way. When did too. you guys fold? Is Bailey still booking or no? We both. So I we had gotten an offer to work for a bigger agency, um, which I, I, I won't get too far into it because a lot of stuff's changed over there. And like anything in the talent booking world, like they it changes like the drop of a hat. It's super. It's like if you can survive in that world, like kudos to you because the net the, the landscape talent booking is always changing mm-hmm. like um there was like agency group you know which is yeah. like the big talent booking agency at the time they got bought out by uta like shit like that is always changing in that world and it makes it's really dynamic it makes things really exciting but also like it's not especially when you're developing and you're working with a lot of developing artists it can be a really like volatile and like kind of unstable environment right we got offered to basically get absorbed into a bigger agency and really it came down to we it was a fork in the road we either do talent booking full-time and move into that and you know we'd be a little bit more protected in like a bigger like bigger agency which you kind of need to shield yourself in that way yeah or we do the merch game full-time and And at this time how how long had you guys been in LA because I mean you was this in the time that you were struggling you know what I mean that comeback it was like this was we were kind of past the like struggling like we're getting your shit together because I was going to say it would be hard to pass that up we had moved into our warehouse and it would have been a lot easier if we had like just gotten robbed and like got in it we'd been like yeah all right, cool see ya but like we were you know the merch game was really thriving for us we we love it like we were hustling super hard and we had invested so much like blood sweat and tears like re like kind of climbing out of the hole that we had gotten into yeah. when we first moved here. And so we had this fork in the road and like, okay, we either go work at this town booking agency and that's going to have to pretty much take precedence over everything else. Right. Or we focus full time on the merch and go that direction. And, you know, we talked about it and had some good conversations and we turned down the offer and I, that night I let go of like, 25 bands like I didn't I wanted everyone to hear it from me you know because I decided like okay I need to pick a like I need to pick a path and I need to put a hundred percent into it wait so you sold or you told them no on the offer I told them no on the offer same day I was like I'm done booking tours like if, if I'm not gonna grow into another agency 
then I'm already hit, I've already peaked. I'm already hit the top of where I'm going to be, you know? So in that instance, like I need to pick a lane. I'm either going to do this full time and then I need to take that offer. Or if I'm not going to take that offer, that's a sign to me that like, okay, I need to focus on the merch company full time. That needs to be my focus. Mm. And so I turned that down, decided I wasn't booking and let go of all of my 25 bands that night. Like I spent like four hours on the phone. I called every band myself. I didn't want to hear from anybody else. I wanted to hear it directly from me because like when you're booking bands or you're managing bands or they're on your label, like you develop really personal relationships. I, I'm still friends with tons of the bands that I booked at the time. Like it was my birthday yesterday, no big deal. And a ton of those dudes like reached out to me and were like, yo, happy birthday. Like we still have relationships you know, because we work so hard together to like develop their band into yeah, a, yeah. a national touring act that right. like was worth something. And that's a lot of energy. It's like being in a band with somebody, Absolutely. you know? And so it's an element of that whole package. It's a team. Yeah, like you sure. really work, like when you're working with other managers and like you just foster these relationships and, and you build them up and it was really hard. Like it was a really dr- mentally like draining night. I was just like, by the time I got done with it, I was exhausted. I think I went to sleep like right away. Damn. But I let go of all my bands and like helped. I tried to help place some of them in like different places with agents that I really believed in that I thought like, hey, yo, this guy would really kill it for yeah. you. He's a hard worker. Like get up with him. I'll connect you on email. You know, I, I didn't want to just like be like, all right, see ya. I'm out, you yeah. know. But I did. I was done. And, you know, Bailey kind of went the same direction. You know, he like he's still kind of like dabbled in a few bands, but he definitely like we moved into that area where it's like, all right merch game full time let's crush it like let's put all our fucking time and energy and mental capacity into this merch business and like see where we can go see what we can do and it and you guys totally excelled so it's like you win yeah i mean it's it's been dope and it you know like i'm not going to say we're like the warren buffett of merch that's ridiculous but Soon like come. <laughs> yeah Soon but come. like you know it's always developing but like every milestone you need to you need to appreciate it. You need to celebrate it. And then you need to remember where you came from. Yeah. So you can keep your perspective and be like, I mean, you can also like, it kind of keeps you humble, but like it's, it, if you don't celebrate those milestones, like you burn out yeah. super hard. So like you really need to take the time. It's hard. You get lost in it when you're going, you know, you're like, oh, you know, what's next, what's next, what's next. But then like if you, if you slow down and you take the time, and really realize, like, wow, we just printed for this, like, crazy-ass artist. Like, as a kid, I never would have imagined that we'd be working with somebody of this caliber, like, bands that I grew up listening to or, like, hearing on the radio or, like, seeing on MTV. Like, we work with artists like that, of that caliber, and I'm like, that is so cool. It's the weirdest feeling on earth. It is, and you know, because you work with all these crazy-ass artists, and, like, would you have ever imagined that five, six, seven, eight years ago? Like, you need to take the time to... To appreciate that and celebrate that because I completely agree. you know like it's it's easy to get lost in the hustle and like when you work so much you know 15 16 hours a day every day like yeah it's easy to get lost in that but take the time appreciate it appreciate the people around you that helped get you to there you know like it's a team effort yeah and like at least in the merch world like right you know like i appreciate everyone that i work with like they are what keeps the machine running you know, and that's important. That's dope. The two things I want to like note or whatever that I just came to my head. A, let's talk about how the U.S. military <laughs> is trash. Well, okay. For the so not don't hey no one take that fucking bit of me saying that. That's good, dude. You are gonna one get one of my homies is like one of the illest veterans. Yeah, I ever you know. okay. You are gonna get destroyed Fuck. for that bit. All right. What I was saying was is that they had Doyle almost print for them. So okay. 
this is I don't want to touch on this too long because I don't want the military. I have to I don't because want, I just I need to clear myself for I saying. don't want the military coming after me. Yeah. It was like the ROTC, it was like some contract that we were after, and it was like insane. We were like, oh my god, like if we get this, we're buying like multiple machines, we're gonna do all this crazy shit. And like we had worked the offer down like so low. Like and, it was and like mind you, it, like they were gonna literally buy multiple of those. Those autos, like we were going to buy like tons of them to facilitate this order. It was like a four month long contract. It was for like half a million garments. Like it was going to be like. God, 500,000 fucking pieces. It's a lot of of fucking t-shirts. I don't know if you've ever seen what 500,000 shirts looks like, but it's a lot. And so like we had like, we were like bidding on this. We're like so excited. In hindsight, I am glad we didn't get it because we would have been in way over our heads. But like, um. We ended up losing the contract. So I'm told. And like, I don't want to like completely this blast is why this I out. Said this. this is like rumors on the water. We lost it by like 10, like not even like, it was like five cents a shirt or some shit. To fucking China, to dog. To China, dude. They went with China over a fucking local homegrown American <laughs> printing company. Again, dude, I don't want the military to come after me like straight up. Maybe it wasn't China. I hope it wasn't. I hope it was somewhere else, but like. Pretty crazy, dude. That's a super American thing to do, dog. I mean, everything's made in China, dude. Yeah. Trump's hats are made in China or whatever. DJI drones are made in China. Good drone, though. It's a good drone. Yeah. You just got one, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> sort just of. Shot. I'll fly it, dude. Yeah, you should It'll be fly cool. It. Yeah, should. I'm gonna. Oh. I actually just got a toy drone. And like, I don't know if you saw the video online. I did. Uh, it's like a little like $50 drone. I got it stuck in a tree, like almost instantly. Like a really high tree. I've been there, dude. And so I'm on my parents' roof. And, like, trying to get this drone down, right? Because it's, like, tangled up in this tree. And, like, I've got, like, my dad's pole saw. And I'm, like, trying to, like, bop it out. And I feel like I'm a kid again because, like, I'm on the roof. And my dad's, like, sit down. Like, (laughs) you're you're too close to the edge. And, like, my my little sister's boyfriend is, like, he's, like, I'll hold the back of your shirt. You can kind of, like, lean out and get it. Oh, my God. And we're, like, you know, stories up. It's, like, 50 bucks, dude. And it's, like, but I want it. I just fucking got it. And, like, I I you know. And so, like. Is it worth your life? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm on the roof. And, like, my wife comes out. And we're supposed to, like, meet her aunt at the coffee shop. And she's, like, oh, we're supposed to go right now. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm. I'm trying to get this drone. Like, it's on the, that's in this tree. And so, like, we go and get, like, a bunch of, like, basketballs and shit. And I'm on my parents' roof, like, throwing, I I hit it. I, like, throw a bunch of frisbees, miss it, hit it with the basketball first try. No big deal. There you go. Um, Knock it out of the tree, and I still have it. So, congrats, dude. I'm happy for you. I'm a pro drone, drone, droner now. Nah. No, that doesn't qualify. Um, And the other thing I wanted to note was uh, when you went and got, when you got engaged, congratulations. Thank you. But, um, and we went to your wedding, and it was fucking amazing. He had the coolest fucking wedding in, at Big Bear Mountain in this fucking, like, scout. What was that place? It's a YMCA camp. YMCA camp. Camp so Ron Meadow. Look it up. Shout out to them. Super sick. like, best staff ever. The super best. Cool. It, it was, like, all these little cabins. Everyone had, like, cabins with bunk beds and shit. And they just, like, basically were like, cool, we're just going to get married in this fucking prairie in the middle of the mountains. And it's the illest-looking scenery I've ever seen. I had people, like, text me, like, when some of the wedding photos came out. My girl Ashley shot the wedding. She did an amazing job. Hey, Ashley, if you're listening to this, I want you on my podcast. Don't Ashley, I said you were thinking about waiting, but I'm going to get you on here soon. Ashley Osborne, look her up. She works with the dopest artists, like, ever. Like, it's crazy. Concert photographer and shit like that. Yeah, and, she's like, a concert photographer. She yeah. does, like, crazy, crazy work. Look her up. Yeah, she's I got, be her. She's got an awesome online following. She's literally one of my favorite people Sick. on this earth. Um she did the photography and I had people like text me like, oh, cool Photoshop background, dude. Because it looks like it like visually <laughs> it was, was insane. insane. It I was think cool. I'll find the video clip and maybe I can put it on top of while we're talking this, but it was like, 
I the, just the drone shot that we grabbed real quick. Oh, and dude! You like come up and you see where we're at. We're literally in the middle of fucking nowhere. It's cool. You shot so nine uh, one films did our wedding video, which was super dope. Of them. I'm excited to see it. It's so good. Yeah. I can't believe I'm sending it to you. But Ben actually did some drone work for it. The very end of the video has got your drone shot, and it's super beautiful. There was one drone shot that I shot. I was like pretty drunk at the time I shot it, and it was like at sunset. It was sick. I was like, damn. I, I was think like, that's in there too. Tight. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of it. It's fucking awesome. You were drunk when you did that. Yep. That's cool. They just had like a bunch of beer and shit sitting somewhere and like all this vegan shit. And we were eating donuts. There were so many donuts. I just kept eating so many donuts. Donutery. What yeah. a great... Anyway, let's, Good wedding. your wedding was the shit. Yeah, it was um, cool. Yeah. Uh, if I can link... Are you going to post the wedding video? I'll post Maybe it. Maybe it'd be cool. We wanted wedding. to show our family first, so we didn't like put it up. But right. like, we just went back to Iowa, showed all our family and stuff. And Sick. Stuff. He we'll said he cried up. 10 times when he watched The first 10 times he watched it, he <laughs> cried 10 times. Sean brought it over to me and like let me watch it. And like I watched it for two and a half hours. Like Lindsay had like... She loved it. She watched it several times, but she had work in the morning. She literally, no, she went to bed and she like, she's like, are you going to come to bed? I'm like, I got to watch this like another, like I literally, it's a 13 minute video. I watched it for like two and a half hours. God, that's so tight. Yeah, I cried upon it. Anyway, you guys go to Thailand and this is where you get engaged, right? Yeah, we got engaged in Thailand. Just tell me the story because there was, he posted this post on Facebook about their trip in Thailand and specifically trying to take a boat from some island to some island or whatever it was. And almost fucking died. Him okay, and so we had just gotten... When we got engaged, it was amazing. It was not where I thought we were going to get engaged, but we were up in this city called Chiang Rai. And some locals had told us about, like, oh, you should go to this lookout. It's, like, on the border of Thailand and Laos. It's called Phu Fa. Like, it's, like, 70 miles away. So we, rode, so we, we rented scooters, and we rode these fucking scooters 140 miles round trip like Jesus. on these we're straight up going through like villages like yeah. villages where they're carrying water and buckets like back to their houses like very rural thailand <laughs> yeah and we're like riding these little scooters and we get to the base of this it's like a little like a little tiny hike nothing major but like it's a lookout it looks over you're on the border of thailand laos literally standing you can jump back and forth Sick. looking over into Laos, like all these like mountains covered in clouds. It's beautiful. Look it up. It's cool. We get engaged. It's amazing. Like we have such a good time. We go back um, to Chiang Rai, end up back in Bangkok. And then the whole, we had backpacked for like a couple weeks. And the whole premise of the trip was like, we're going to do all this like traveling and sightseeing. And then we're going to go to this island called Copenhagen. And we're gonna chill there for the last part, of the, the last week we're there. We're right. just gonna chill. It's gonna be really cool. Which is like what, like resorty, like beach type shit. Yeah, it's like oh, it's kind of a party island. Like they do like uh, like this. Shit. No, they do like this like moon festival on one of the islands. There's like three islands. I, I think it's Copenhagen. They do it, but like tons of DJs and shit go there and like party Take it up. And Iowa, it's a, it's a yeah, it's a big like tourist. Yeah, like, yeah. A lot of like Westerners and shit, That's cool, but it was cool. So we uh, we take this charter bus like eight hours to like where they launch the boats out of, and it was like pretty stormy all night. The, the other weird thing about being in Thailand is like when you're on buses and shit, the military like stops your buses all the time and like boards and like checks everyone out. Like, but since I was like this white dude like covered in tattoos, every fucking time we stopped, they woke me up if I was sleeping or whatever, and asked for my passport with like huge like assault rifles on their back, and I'm like, I at first I was like shook as hell. I was like, dude, yeah, I have fuck? no fucking idea what's gonna go. Is this guy gonna pull me out and shoot me? Like, what the fuck is happening? But then I got kind of used to it. But anyways, the whole night that we're like driving down, it's like super stormy, and I'm like, this is gonna be super sketchy. Like, we're gonna end up in the middle of the ocean. Like, 
this is weird. Yeah. But I was like, oh, no big deal. They wouldn't launch the boat if it was like super fucked up. So we get there. It's still pretty stormy, but like it doesn't look like like there's hella waves or anything. And so they load everyone on the boats and they like load like all the suitcases onto the front of the boat. And we start going out and like almost instantly, like we're on the inside. There's like two tiers to this boat. And like, like how many people do you think are on this boat? Probably like a hundred, okay. maybe. Yeah. Like a decent amount of people. And people would, like, start screaming right away. All the luggage, like, falls down. And, like, me and Lindsay and, like, this woman next to me, we're all kind of, like, laughing. Like, this is not that big of a deal. Relax. It's nighttime? This is day. Because we took the charter bus through the night. Through the night. And then this is the morning. Okay, cool. And we get, start to get out to the ocean, and it starts getting rockier and rockier and rockier. And then eventually, it's, like, slamming down, right? This lady, we were, like, sitting in the second row seats. There's no, like, seatbelts or anything. This is, like, this is a boat in fucking Thailand. Like, yeah, like, like there's no seatbelts or anything. You're like having to hold on to the seat in front of you. And I remember this lady like panicking and she like gets up. She's sitting in the front row. She gets up, tries to run to the back of the boat. It throws her. Like literally the boat throws her onto this luggage. Her husband like panics, tries to get up and help her. It throws him. He smashes his head on like Lindsay's armrest. Like we're sitting in an aisle. And like he's like laying in the middle of the aisle. No one can help him. Oh my him. God. The yo. staff, like bro, is so fucked up. That's the, so terrifying. It's insane that one of the guys on the, like the staff of the boat tries to come up and help him and like, is like, I, I can't. Like physically, like you could not yeah. get up. I'm like holding onto the seat for dear life. I've never gotten seasick in my life. I love being on boats. I love being in the ocean, like surfing, all that shit. Not I, like I eat it up and I was like sick as shit and like, like passing out, like straight up blacking out from like how crazy this is. Holy shit, you're supposed to be holding on I'm, for safety. You're literally holding on to the seat in front of you and I'm like, I've got a fever all of a sudden. Like me and Lindsay are both like just fucked up. I'm like, I've got headphones in because people are screaming, like screaming and crying and it's like chaos, dude. It's like a movie. And how long and is this boat trip supposed to be? It's supposed to be an hour and a half. It ends up taking three hours to get oh there. Oh my God. And it's like, I literally, I'm listening to this band. I, I listen to them all the time. It's this DJ Tycho and it's like my chill out, like Zen out music, you know? And I'm listening to it and like, I'm like, okay, breathe, chill. It's cool. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. And then the song would like fade out at the end. And like with ah! the fade out, the fader of the boat, like, like everyone's screaming and shit like rises up. And so I hear all these people like praying and screaming and crying. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, holy fuck. Like we just got engaged like three days ago. We're going to die in the middle of this crazy like storm it's a monsoon the monsoon is so crazy it ends up making it all the way to la like it, that shit. this storm system comes all the way to the u.s like it's just, this is no joke and we're out in the middle of the ocean That's in this like shitty tiny fucking boat like during a monsoon and i literally remember thinking to myself like i'm not like a particularly spiritual person and i'm like you know God, like, if we're going to die, let's just get this shit over with. Like, I'm like, I'm ready, dude. I'm like, I, I've stopped wishing that we we're going to live. And I'm just like, if we are going to die, if this boat is going to flip, let's just do it now. Oh I think I said that out loud, which I probably shouldn't have. But I think Lindsay was maybe, like, passed out at this point. I don't know. I was definitely blacking out. She oh actually did better than I did, I think. She's tough as shit, though. She pat Like, so when you guys... Literally, you like... passing out. I'm literally... No, no. Chair? So I'm, like, blacking out. Like, my vision yeah, is black. I've got a fever and shit. But I'm still, like, holding Dang. on. But I'm, like... I'm, like, full-out panicking. So we get to the... God. We get to this island. The first island. We're supposed to go to the second island. Everyone gets off the boat. They're, like, fuck this shit. I'm not... I'm sorry. I'm swearing a lot. It's intense. I mean, it's intense. Whatever. Yeah. 
Everyone gets off this boat. Some dude like stands up. He's like, I'm going to get my money back. Who's with me? And I'm like, dude, we just almost died. (laughs) Like, (laughs) fuck your fucking like 50 bucks, bucks. you know, that you spent to get on this island. Like, we're alive, bro. Like, we end up on this island we didn't plan on being on. We find this like dope, like, bungalow that we like rent out that like overlooks the ocean we spend the whole first day like straight up on this like porch like shitting and puking no and just crying. i had nothing there was no you, I had so nothing you were puking left on the boat but like i hadn't eaten really because uh, like we had been stopping at all these places like i don't want everyone to turn this podcast off but like we're vegan and like <laughs> i'm dun, sorry dun, dun. i know it's like i'm not I, everyone's just like oh fuck this dude yeah, yeah, fuck, fuck this him. hippie but like it's like in, in rural areas, it's a little tougher to eat. And so we hadn't really eaten a lot because we're stopping at all these places along the way that's like, it's just like yeah, fried meat. pork rinds and shit. Right, it's right. like, okay, I, I can't eat any of that. And so like I hadn't eaten a lot like over the night. And so like I'm driving and we're not, this is getting really graphic, but like there's not a lot there and yeah. we're super dehydrated. <laughs> I like burst a bunch of blood vessels in my eye. Oh my God. <laughs> Dude, yo, it's crazy. And so we're like on, we're literally though, I remember like being on this like, island in this bungalow and like all this crazy shit had just happened and we're just like napping and like drinking as much water as we can and just chilling out like the first whole the first day because i'm like we're alive like we are straight up alive right now against all odds we have made it but then i remember like the second day i hit up sean again he comes up a lot in this podcast Sean does come up a lot um, but i hit him up because i left my credit card at home in case we got robbed i didn't want to like get completely robbed right and so we i left my credit card at home i'm like yo sean can you go take a photo of the front and back of my credit card i'm flying off this fucking island i do not care how much it costs <laughs> i'm never getting on a boat again ever <clears throat> and it turns out and so he does takes a photo i'm like i don't care how many thousands of dollars it takes i'm not fucking getting on a boat because we almost died you can't fly off this island. It is too small. They do uh, not have a runway. There's no way to fly in and off this island. And so, but we're there for five days. We're having a really good time. We're and the weather is getting the better. The weather is getting better. Yeah. They didn't do another. That was the last boat they took out to the island for like three days. They didn't do another. Um, the weather chilled out by the time we ended up going back. But we, the, the time we spent there was amazing. Like we're renting a scooter and we're like ripping around the island. It is cheap as fuck to vacation in Thailand. If you're ever thinking about it, do it. Like yeah. it's amazing. Like we're spending like t- 10 bucks a day maybe. It's crazy on this island. It's That's amazing. Insane. But, um, you know, we're snorkeling with sea turtles, drinking out of coconuts. Like it is, That's the, dope. it is the dream for sure. And, um, we can't, we have to go back to Bangkok and go home to the States and we have to get on this boat. We get on this boat, and I'm like, still pretty shook. Like, little PTSD. I'm like, are we gonna die? Fuck. We get on this boat, though. It's like <clears throat> glass. Just cruising. Son. Like, people are like drinking beer, old ladies taking photos. And oh, I'm yeah, like, you're I'm good. like, you fucking people have no <laughs> idea what happened here five days ago, dude. Like, you, you would never get on a boat again. You would swim over there before you get on a boat. To, to like, you know what I mean? Cause Are you good only- now though? Like you can go ride a boat again? Oh yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. I'm good. Wow, what a fucking Well, trip. that trip sort of like, oh, boats are cool. Like, because it was such a good experience. It was like super cathartic, like really chill. Like everyone's just chilling out. And I'm like, man, I know it's like sort of like maybe it was even more calm because this big storm had just passed, but it was like cruising on glass. Like there was not a single wave. The whole ride back only took an hour and a half like it was supposed yeah. to. It was a really good way to end the trip. But no, it was chaos. Like I, I loved it because like uh, you'd see on Facebook, you would post like 
today me and Lindsay got engaged, all this stuff. He like writes up a thing. And then like three days later, like today me and Lindsay almost fucking died. <laughs> and I'm I so remember. happy to be alive and everyone means so much to me and all this shit. And I was like, damn, what like, the fuck? They say that like before you die, like your life like, sort of flashes before your eyes. I felt some of that like in a really weird way. I was like, dude, like I literally thought I was going to die. And I was like playing all this shit back in my head. And like, I was mostly thinking, it's really funny if Lindsay's folks listen to this, but I was mostly thinking like, man, Lindsay's folks are going to fucking kill me. Like I just brought their daughter. We just got engaged. I brought their daughter halfway you across the world her. and now we're dead. And now they're going to And gonna they hate just got half her body back because it was eaten by sharks. They're going to hate me forever uh. and like all this shit. They're the greatest people on earth, though. So. Shout out to shout out Damn, to, this, shout out That to, was such a good fucking story. Dude, it was nuts. I like... This I, podcast is great. I love this shit. This, this is crazy. Dude, that was crazy. That was like probably like... I would say one of the craziest experiences of my life. But I would go back like to Thailand. Yeah, I want to go. I've never sick. been. You got to go. I don't, yeah, I've never been. What's crazy is it's so cheap to fly there from LA. <clears throat> Our tickets round trip were 750 bucks. So ridiculous. To Bangkok. Not, not a shit airline too. Like we had a layover in China and they put us up in like the dopest hotel I've ever stayed in. Crazy. Because like, we had a big layover and yeah. they, for free like comped us this hotel and it was like, dude, I've never stayed in a hotel this nice ever. That was like flying home from I- uh, Iceland. Like, I don't, I don't know why. I guess the state pays for to make the flights really cheap there. Yeah, the tourism. The, I think it's their like tourism board. I have tons of friends that have gone to Iceland. Yeah, like, it's really sick. It's like, you should go. Like three or four hundred bucks. Yeah, right? it's cheap. I was gonna go. We keep talking about it. I that think was we're like, gonna go to Costa Rica. Next dude, time. it was like our last stop on the tour with Q, and then we all flew back, and Q always sits up in first class in some fucking ridiculous AirPod <laughs> thing. And, but he's already like fucking passed out or whatever. And it's like, dude, let us sit up there and shit. He's just switched. Just, just take his like sleeping body, yeah, put it in coach. Move. But like on the way back, I was sitting right behind first class and it was like the one, you know, where like you have a bunch of extra room. So I was like, oh, cool. And we're just chilling. And then the chick comes up. She's like, hey, you guys want anything to whatever have and shit? And I'm like, nah, like I'll just wait. We're going to New York. I'm going to see Ian. And ah, we're going to eat yeah. something like he, New York. He was at the wedding. Yeah, Ian was there. He's like, I want to eat something in New York. Like, I'll eat some pizza or something. So I was like, no, I'll just have like a soda or whatever, coffee. And she's like, are you sure? Like, you can have anything. I'm like, anything? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and I open up the menu. I'm like, all this shit. And it's like mini hamburgers, fucking all nachos, all this food. Like, like shit that you get in first class. And it's like, you can literally have anything but champagne. I was like, cool. I had fucking probably 12 whiskeys, dog. Because it was like seven hours. We had just done all the shit. trashed it. Yeah, and I was editing this music video, so I was like, cool. And they were just going down. Like, I wasn't feeling it at all until like the end of the flight. Until so you get to New York, Ian. you're stumbling yeah. off the plane. They're like, like Ian, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, so... But I, yeah, ate tons of cheeseburgers and shit. It was lit. It was, <laughs> on this one flight, yeah. you like gained like 12 pounds on your yeah. way back. Definitely, Whatever. dude. I gained so much weight on that tour, and when I got done... Uh, I'd never been, that was, that was the heaviest I've ever been for my weight. We talked about that. Yeah, I was we like 203 at, uh, pounds. And I'm and my doctor's like, yeah, you're overweight for your whatever. Frame. Yeah. Whatever. And I lost like, I think I lost like 35 pounds after that tour. I remember you talking to me about that because you were super bombed. Yeah. But it was like, tour can do that to you. Especially a tour like that. Tour, like, yeah. Do because you're seat. like editing, you're not sleeping. Which you need to work on. You need to sleep more straight up. No, I just started a whole new thing where I sleep less. Sick. No, I know. We talked about that already. I yeah. said that's fucking stupid. No, it's, it's tight. Um, <laughs> all right. So before we end this shit, I asked people in Black and No Cream to ask you questions if, sure. they, if they so choose to do, which they did. Um, and let's start off the first question with, how does it feel to be homecoming king? I'm joking. That was my question. Oh, shit. Andrew, that was, Andrew I, got homecoming king. I was homecoming king. But Woo! like... Sort of uh, by default, because, like, I was, like, the weird, like, theater punk dude. 
No you know one, what I mean? Yeah. But and it didn't like, make sense. Everyone's like, and we were all like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you all like pick me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they give you like this little, at least our high school, it was like a wand, like a scepter thing. <laughs> yeah. And I dropped it like right away and broke it. Like as they picked me up, they'd just given it to me. This is like kind of a theme through my life, but yeah. That's cool. Good Whatever. time. All right. Now let's ask, these are serious questions. Uh, Matt Kramer, he says, what's your favorite form of printmaking? Uh, he says relief, stencil, et cetera. Definitely screen printing. I mean, that obviously, but like, you know, I've dabbled in other shit. And actually my wife has a, uh, her degree is in printmaking. Um, but like screen printing is like primarily what we do. It's like most of the stuff I know about printmaking, well, actually all of it is all self-taught. And mm. like that has been always our focus because we do like mostly, nine, you know, like most of what we do is like garments and shit. Yeah. So it's like I, I love doing that. I love doing the art steps for it. Like that's kind of our main thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good question though. Yeah. Alan Gordon, this isn't really a question. I don't think it's, he just says it's crazy, man. I don't know if it's just like a new wave, but everybody has like multiple skills these days. I love it. Cause the way I summarize your story, it's like, I mean like that, it, it was an accident though, like completely an accident. And that is like kind of plays back to the yes man thing. Like I, at that time I was like never saying no to anything. Yeah. Hey, you want to uh, book tours for a living? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Or like, Hey, you want to uh, screen print? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, you and they a lot of those skills can link together like we did so well as a uh, a print company because we had made all these friends that were in these touring bands when we were touring like that's how we survived for so long and so like if you can develop a skill set that like maybe if it's diverse but like that they can play together right like, that's great i mean you come from music like yeah. you and that is how you made worked into shit. the way that you're into like don't say no, like yeah. to anything, like the more things you can learn how to do in life, the better. But like, you know, obviously you want to like specialize at some point, but like you never know where that's going to lead you. Absolutely. Like, and that's, I think that's like the thing I think about the most when I think back about like, how the fuck did I get here? Like it's, I started in such a different area and then like ended up here and it's just Risks. how things progress, man. Yeah, like straight up. That. That's, that is a good point though. Like for sure. Um, Isaiah Locher, Locher, something like that. Sorry, dude. Uh, <laughs> he says there's still aggress there's still aggress shirts in existence. That's true. I didn't print those, but that is true. I actually still own an aggress t-shirt. Like yeah, from a really long time ago. Good call out. Good shout out, dude. I know that's really that's tight. a deep cut. That is Fuck. good. Travis Beck's in here. Travis says he's looking forward to this one, boys. Um, he's been in Black Widow Cream, dude, and he's also started doing uh YouTube covers. Like I saw that. I did see that. Crushing it. Yeah, that's sick. Um, Corey said do you get a high from seeing something your company printed being worn displayed i mean you mentioned that fuck yeah okay and like i will say this it has faded a little bit over time yeah but like we would go to like festivals and shit and be like print that print that print that print that and like the feeling you get from that especially when you're like first seeing it like out in the world i still get it sometimes like i'll be like we print for a lot of like streetwear brands and shit like that and like I'll like walk around, especially in LA, because that shit's like super prominent. Like I'll walk around and like see something that yeah. like I printed, like someone rocking it, and I'm like, holy fuck, like I did that. Like that's that literally was in my house. That literally, like, like I, I put my hands that. on that yeah. fucking thing. Like that's that is crazy. super cool. That is a great point. Like I, I, I do, I absolutely do. That'll probably never completely go away. But I remember when we first really started like printing for a lot of bands, and then we'd go to a festival, and like we'd be like, well, we printed all this shit, and like all these kids are rocking it such a good feeling like yeah. it's fucking cool like it's probably one of those like mini highs that like kept us going because like 
it's just a cool experience. Yeah, like, and I still get that way. Like, our shit will pop up on like Instagram. You know, I'll see like even like a couple like celebs rocking some like streetwear brand that we like put our hands on. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh fuck, we did that hat or like we did. You know what I mean? And I'll see that, and it's got like you know fucking hundreds of thousands of likes, and I'm like, that is some crazy fucking shit. Fucking weird, right? That's crazy. It's a trip, fucking dude. Weird. Straight up. Yeah, that's a good point. I like I love that, that shit. Um, Keegan Bakken's, this is a, he played drums in my band. He went to high school with us. Yeah. He asked, he just said, ask him if there's a piece of advice he'd give to his 16 year old self. The, ooh, I don't think about that one. Um, not really. Like, I mean, yes, like keep going. But like, again, like I made a lot of fucking mistakes like along the way, but I wouldn't redo anything. I mean, we talked about this a couple times, but like, if you're happy with where you are now, you can't regret anything about how you got there because every weird little misstep you took along the way landed to you being here. Right. I guess I would say like, just, I don't know, keep it, do what you do because right. like, you know, I never in a million years dreamed I'd be doing the shit I'm doing now Crazy, and like, right? it turned out dope. He also asked if, if you remember the time that he, that we backed into his sister's car. My sister's car? Sister's I don't, car. I don't remember that but like, it's, it is fucking, an, oh, I do kind of remember that. I think it was Natalie, <laughs> yeah, Natalie's car vaguely i'm gonna say vaguely i don't remember how it played out i mean me and like my sister natalie are like super tight still so i back then must not have been that big of a deal the, all right and then the one thing i always do like since i mean we're pretty this is a good long podcast where are we at right now hour 50 oh shit yeah, we chopped it up for a minute yeah. oh i knew we would too because like know. it's easy to chop it up with someone that yeah. as long as you so we got so much fucking shit there's so much more to talk about too but fuck that we gotta wrap it up yeah. at some point uh if people make it this far I let you choose the hashtag that they would. Do you use Twitter? I suck at social Instagram? media. Instagram? I have Instagram. All right. So just like DM us the hashtag of Andrew's choosing. You can say whatever you want the hashtag to be. That's usually funny. I'm just saying, like, if they made it to an hour 50, they're committed. And when they're they send locked you, in. When they send you this little stupid hashtag, some of them are pretty funny because people don't know what to say. So they say something stupid. And then all of a sudden, like four weeks later, I'll get like, Trump, I don't know. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is that from? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Andrew said that. And then uh, what do you want your hashtag to be? Anything in the world. Beet juice. I'll say beet juice. Beet juice? Beet juice. I'm drinking a fine beet juice right now from Salud Juicery. Check it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a little tiny mini plug. Uh, my wife works here. I drink hella juice from there. And I like, I didn't really fuck with beets until I started drinking it in juice form. Beet juice. Beet juice, dude. Hashtag beet juice if you made it this far. If you made it this far, beet Man, juice. Is there a, if people had to look you up or anything, how do you want them to find you? Uh, Instagram, I guess. Like Andrew X Doyle. Um, Overcast has an Instagram too. Overcast is on in print. You can check that out. Um, yeah, and that's, that's that. Dope. Cool. Oh, yeah, and your band. Fuck, my band. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm in a band now. It's cool. Uh, we play for fun. I love it. It's dope. Like, a couple of the dudes have literally, like, done that shit for a living, and that's cool, but now, like, we just do it for fun, yeah. and it's super sick, and actually, we just put out a music video Wednesday. That Sean, that and Matt <laughs> shot. Bringing them up films. again. We're doing it again, dude. Yeah, but like, I Sean's this been my podcast is sponsored by Nine One Films. Seriously, like, I'm not trying to like plug it too hard, but Sean's been like one of my best friends forever. So yeah. our lives are very intertwined. Yeah. Most of my stories involve him in one way or another. But uh, yeah, Nine One Films did it. I think he posted it to Black No Cream, maybe. Uh, I think he did. So I mean, if you're part of the group, like, go check it out. It's it's a different vibe. I put it in the show yeah. notes too. But um, yeah, we just dropped that and like. Yeah, that's cool. 
Like, what, what, how do we find your band? Is it like SoundCloud or something? What do you guys put in your music? Besides we, that is the first piece of music we put. We've been working on this record for like literally over a year. Oh, shit. That is the first music we put out into the world. Dope. Is, um, check it out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, and the last thing before we get off, and I'm sorry for now talking about this, you have a ch- like a not a charity. I would, is it, it's not a 501. It's not like a legitimate char- charity, right? It's not a 501c3. It is a nonprofit. We're working on the 501c3 part, but it's hard to do. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought it up. Actually, yeah, I love this. Um, it's called for the Children Fest. It's something we do every year. I do it with a couple like really amazing people. Shout out fucking Nate, who is like. He is literally like Santa Claus. Like he is like the greatest, like literally the most selfless dude I've ever met. Yeah. He's been doing it forever. Him, Scott, Aaron, Luis. Um, it's something we all do together. It's a concert that we do in LA. We do it every year. Um, around Christmas time, right? Around Christmas. It's like three weeks before Christmas, generally speaking. It's a two-day festival. Um, all of the money, to get in, you have to bring a toy both days. And all the money that comes in from it after we like cover costs for bands it all goes to like buying like food, like like meal vouchers and like you know gift cards to like Marshalls and shit like that for clothes and then like you know stuff for like older kids. But it's a toy drive and we distribute those toys directly. Like we don't just drop them off at like a Toys for Tots or some shit. Like we make sure that those get, those toys get exactly like not saying Toys for Tots doesn't, but you know directly to some of like the families that miss out on some of that shit. You right. know, there are a lot of different like charities and stuff that there can be a lot of red tape to like qualify for some of that stuff and there's just the need is so huge in in every major area but like LA there's such a huge like homeless issue like and there's straight up families on the street. Like I over the last few years doing this I've seen some really crazy shit. Like there's a story every year that really fucks me up. And um, it's been one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. Yeah. But, like, we'll do this big concert. All these kids roll out. You know, we get, like, a 1,000-plus kids showing up to this thing. They're all bringing toys, and kids get so into it. Like, they will bring – you only have to bring one toy. Kids will show up with, like, bags of toys. That's sick as fuck. <laughs> like, companies donate shit. Like, Fender donated, like, three guitars yeah. last year. It's like crazy. It's super cool. Everyone really gets behind it. And we work with, like, L.A. Department of Mental Health, YMCA. Like, we work with – um, help me help you, which is an organization in Long Beach specifically, and we get you know um, these toys out to these families. We get to meet a lot of them in person, um, and so sick. yeah, just get these toys out to families in need. And it's is, is there a website or something? How can they- yeah? So if you go to uh, sosbooking.org, you can find we do a lot of shows throughout the year, and like all those shows, SOS Booking is the nonprofit. All of the money that we gather through the year, like all the profit profit goes towards funding the festival and like all the bands that play are like the dopest bands they all do it for free like we cover their costs like if they're flying from somewhere we'll buy their flights and shit but no one it is like one of the only like things in the music industry i've seen where like and i you know i've dabbled in quite a bit of that where no one makes money no one profits yeah, like it's perfect it's it is music for the purest reasons it's really cool it's something I've, i'm really proud to be a part of and like the fact that i you know was asked to be you know, involved in it is like, it's a huge honor. Yeah. It's, it's very fulfilling and, um, it helps a lot of kids. I mean, literally every year we, we service to like, I was hundreds, easily hundreds of families. We do like a full Christmas for so amazing. And it's, it's dope because yeah, there's a lot of need shit. and I really encourage anyone that's thinking about it. You, everyone can do it in their own scene, you know, in their own world, like get out, get involved, you know, like it's, there's a lot of need. There's a lot of families and kids out there that yeah. need help, especially around the Christmas season. Hell it's yeah. 
the need is crazy. All the shelters are full. Like, yeah, it's brutal. There's like, there's families this last year that like, we're st- we had to be really careful about what we gave them because they're living in cars and shit. Crazy, you know, man. it's dope. I mean, it's it's it is the experience of it is super dope, but you also run into a lot of like really heartbreaking stories. But the gratitude that these people show is like you would never like you've never seen that level of love and like it's so cool. Like just the way that they like these families are so tight because they've been through like the gnarliest shit. You know, like it's it's amazing. That's it's a great experience. Too. If you can do get it. involved somehow, do it. If you can do hit it, hit me up. Time, like if, if yeah, you know, if you ever want to be involved, like you know, check it out. Yeah. If you're into it, hit me up. Like even you know, there's there's we do the festival, and then for three weeks after, we're sorting toys every night. You know, like dishing it out to like people give us lists of families and stuff, and separate it all out. Give it to these families, or like give it to these organizations. They yeah. get it to these families, and it's cool. It's fucking awesome, dude. I feel like such a dickhead for. I don't remember what we had to shoot over that weekend and I couldn't make it down there and I was trying so fucking hard to leave. Uh, you hit me up though. Day. I know, I'm sorry. And no. I didn't fucking ever send you anything. I meant to send you, I don't know if I didn't get your address or something, I was going to Amazon you something. Yeah, I remember that. It doesn't matter. Dude, next God year. It. Go yeah, big next, next year. Next year I want to be involved. I need to be involved it's, It is so dope. Like, come out or if you don't want to, like, the bands aren't your dig or whatever, like, you can get involved after. Like, we always use help sort and toys. Yeah, yeah. Like, and next year we want to like get really diverse in the lineup and do some fun I'll shit. I'll see how so. we can get Black Window Cream involved in that shit because yeah, that could be really tight yeah, for yeah, us yeah, to yeah, do yeah. something. Yeah, hell yeah. Swag! Cool. All right, that's it, dude. I appreciate it. Dog. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate fun? it. Yeah, hell yeah. How do you want to end it? Uh, I'll let you drive that. I don't know. I've done a lot of talking here. Bye. <laughs> oh, fuck. Bye, bye, bye. That's it for episode 18 with Andrew Doyle. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Make sure to follow Andrew on Instagram and follow Overcast. They are fucking killing it. I've shared links in the show notes, which you can find at blackwindowcream.com slash podcast. Leave a review on iTunes. Let me know what you think about this interview. If you're interested in joining Black Window Cream's private content creator group, visit bwnc.com slash join. And last but not least, buy some fucking merch. There's not much left right now. I have a small stock. That's it. If you get it now, you get it. And I don't know if I'll print it again. It is what it is. Every sale helps me keep this thing alive. Subscribe to Black Window Cream. New episode every single Sunday. See you next week, you bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah.